Into the foxhole. I, as always, am your host, Will Fox, joined by my brother John. John, how are we? I'm fine. Fine? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing all right, you know? You know, we came here talking about a specific cultural uh, touchstone, but uh, we can talk about why you might be less than good. Yeah, you know, I just, I come in, you know, with these high expectations, you know, PG, stuff like that. Yeah. So I decided, you know, we'll, we'll start, start low, then we'll go high. Oh, okay, gotcha. So maybe a little subversion. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is very cathartic for both of us. So, listeners, we care not for what you want to listen to. This is all about mm-hmm. us getting stuff out. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we do cater to the listeners. Uh, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And also like our new Instagram page, John. Mm-hmm. John, you have any stats on how many followers we have? I can I can pull up the stats real quick. Gotcha. We, you know, for a very young, very new Instagram page, we are growing Exponential pace. Exponential yeah. pace. Much like the virus that is ravaging our nation, yes. we are on a logarithmic scale. Yeah. Uh, a so, nascent podcast. Yep. So we are currently at, hold up, let me load this real quick. Gotcha. 42 followers. 42, 42 followers or following? Followers. Oh my lord. I feel like that scene from the social network where they're waiting for like the one million, yeah. like yeah. it's coming up on a video screen. Yeah, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. This is a big deal. It's a good uh, uh, And how many posts? Zero. Zero, Zero posts. Um, our, our followers are anxiously waiting. Yeah. Uh, they are anxiously waiting for content. There will be more content. We're going to put a lot of stories up there, polls, you know, release new topics, drop when episodes are dropping. You know, we're, 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 this is going to this is going to be your way to interact with us as podcasters. Yeah, it's just we, we love, we were just talking about it earlier, we love good feedback. You yeah. Know? We really do. I actually got my first good piece of feedback. Ah, you did. What was For it? friend of the show, Kevin Goshorn, uh, said, interested in the content, but really, he hates the fact that we're discriminating that we don't have it on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. And Kevin... Mm-hmm. Let me be, I told you this in person, but let me be the first for all of our, apparently not, I don't know who I'm speaking to if we're not on the Apple podcast, but <laughs> let me say that uh, this has been a battle between me and Tim Apple. Yeah. Uh, we've been going back and forth, trying to get coverage, trying to get our podcast to reach to the people. I don't want to go as far as to say it's censorship. I, I just want to put, it's Tim Cook, not I, Tim Apple. And that was the joke. I did not get the joke. I'm sorry. Our president <laughs> called him Tim Apple. Oh, Okay. <laughs> See, you learn something new every time you pod. Exactly. <laughs> every time you pod, it's a verb. Anyways, uh, I'm not going to say it's censorship by Tim Cook at this point, but if we can find a way to reach our uh, our viewership that is clamoring for content, we, we will not hesitate to take further action. I agree. Apple Music, your move. And Apple Pod. Apple. Apple, your move. Your move. <laughs> but before we call out another titan of industry as we are one to do on the podcast we're going to get into the podcast i should say the podcast proper introducing our guest for is this episode nine this is episode nine episode nine of the podcast joining us from the greatest place on earth buffalo new york ryan toucher ryan happy to have you on the podcast happy to be here will and john thank you for having me Oh, any time. Uh, we always have to do context. A shocker for all of you trying to guess at home, Ryan is my friend. Okay. So that's eight out of nine are my friends. I have friends. Will, is, <laughs> you know, this is a dictatorship. This is, you know, I, I just say, hey, I have a friend. Okay, but I have like three friends before. Get them, you know? get them, get them, get them in the, get them in the queue. Okay. Just toss them in the queue. We got some queued up. We got, we got friends queued up. We know? got friends queued up. We got friends queued up. 
Uh, Ryan was a former classmate of mine. Uh, I guess current classmate, technically, class of 2019. Go forwards. Um, And two times... I was about to... You took the words right out of my mouth. Two-time roommate of mine. Yeah. That's my roommate. Yeah, that that is my roommate we are are talking to right now on the podcast. Uh, I will, Ryan. I've been, like, 16-time roommates with Will, so, you know, (laughs) let's calm down, buddy. (laughs) Guys, don't... but I don't have the last name Fox, so... Ooh, guys, this is your podcast. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a tetra hole. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't want you guys to fight over me, but please fight over me. Um, what would Tetris podcast be? Connect the Tetris. I'm trying to find some Tetris. Something to do with like Tetraverse. I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah, Tesseract. Like, no, that's uh, not really. It's, it's got to be Tetris. I mean. Like, you have any ideas around? Yeah, I don't like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This, this is. We might have to bring back Ryan on multiple podcasts to see Ryan and John <laughs> spar this uh, verbal war of words. You no, know, I feel like you know we're growing. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't. There's there's a drama film from 2009 named Tetro, so I think you could incorporate that into something. Oh yeah, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Whoa. Exactly. Hey now. That's that's not a name that hey you now, just throw around. You know. Bring out the hot exactly uh and this is a topic that we can talk about for many a hot fact we will toss them out like scalding hot nachos um i'm struggling to remember what reference that is but i i yeah you you lost me lost me at the nachos anyway this is something that is near and dear to both ryan and my hearts uh and john's as well uh but uh ryan you want to cue in our listeners are currently i guess only spotify and google (laughs) podcast listeners but future listeners uh considering this is an archive um on what we'll be going over today on the podcast Today, we'll be discussing Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. What the world needs now is not only good dance songs, which I think are out, the world needs something new. Certain types of driving rhythms just have like a profound effect on people. It's not just about the rhythm, it's like the the actual sounds themselves, I feel like. And that's something that I think those guys are super good at. What do great artists do when you see a world around you that's in turmoil? Some of the best artists make you feel good. (laughs) They look to the future. Robots music is is the power to separate itself from all else that exists. They're not bound by time and space. Random Access Memories, the 2013 album released by Daft Punk. Uh, John, thoughts on thoughts on discussing this on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, album of the year in 2013. Album of the year. Album of the year by Daft Punk. Daft Punk's return. I forget when their last album before that was, but it, it had been a while, I believe. They released the Tron album, and yeah, right. Oh, yeah. 2010, right? 
Yeah, Tron in 2010. Yeah. And I believe before that, they released their live album, Alive 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they released Alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before that, I guess you could call, not counting the soundtrack album, their first like new studio album would have been Human After All, which I think is 05. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's more what I was referring to. But I mean, in essence, just them going at it, the French duo, you got, I mean... What are they named? Guy and Thomas. Guy and Thomas. Well, Thomas yeah. Bangalter. Thomas Bangalter. Yeah. It looks like Bangalter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, I don't know. Guy Emmanuel de Homan Christo. You have the classic duo. They've been doing it since, what, like the 80s or, 80s or something like that? I think late 80s is late when they started. 80s started um, but, yeah. I mean, this is one of their most successful albums, especially in the U.S., if not, if not worldwide. I mean, it's probably one of their top three albums i think most daft punk fans will argue will put this in their top three but you know they got a lot of stuff as well but just a very interesting very very good album to go over you know? yeah i know thomas's last name makes it sound like he's one of the three wise men <laughs> thomas bangalter <Sorry>, exactly <laughs> it was casper and bangalter <laughs> and, and melchizedek <laughs> we're giving him we're giving we're giving homage uh, to the lord i digress uh ryan uh i know you are a daft punk aficionado i like myself also a fan of daft punk uh can you tell me about may, give us some background maybe into this is 2013 high school suburban buffalo can you talk about you interacting with this album and like why how you came to enjoy maybe not only this album but daft punk as a whole and talk about your relationship with them at as an artistic tandem well, I feel like I should start at the beginning. Yes. Um, it really started, like, mid, mid-2000s, mid maybe, like, 2008 or so. And I was, like, you know, I was hanging out with my cousin. My cousin, big musician, he's a drummer. And I did not know who Daft Punk was at the time. And he um, he mentioned, he was just like, yeah, that Kanye West song, you know, that's not his original beat, like, that harder, better, faster, stronger. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's how a lot of people my age probably might have found out was like, oh, that that's not Kanye's original work. Um, and so then I looked into it and I'm just like, oh, listen to this like like synthetic type music, like electronic music. I was just like, I've never really heard anything like this before. And I think that was like my my first exposure to uh, electronic music. Um, so from like 2008 on, I started, you know, just listening to mostly like harder, better, faster, stronger, like one more time, you know, those, those top four songs on, uh, on discovery. Um, and then, uh, from there, you know, just branched out, you know, listen to, uh, like human after all rock robot. Um, what else we got, a uh, technologic man. That was a big one. You know, everyone, everyone sat down and tried to memorize all the words of technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so that was me. Sitting in front of the computer, you know, listening to the Daft Punk, you know, really, really just soaking it all in. And by the time I was, uh, what, 2013, end of my uh, sophomore year, junior year, junior year, mm-hmm. um, junior year part one, I did two junior years, by the way. Uh, so the end of junior year part one, I, uh, you know, I was just like really looking forward to this new album because, you know, I've basically exhausted everything out of Daft Punk for the past five years uh and i was just really looking forward to it i didn't know what to expect and you know they dropped it and honestly it was the vibe of the summer um Very true. Probably, Very true. Like, i just like best word to describe it by just chill chill it was a chill album like you can just 
throw this back, you know, listen to it, have it play in the background, um, really just vibe to it. But, you know, I, I really love just, you know, putting this album on repeat all summer. Yeah, that, that describes a lot, a lot, obviously, there, which is uh, so important. First, first, first pro that I want to kind of bring up uh, is that for any of my listeners that think, oh, Ryan took two years, two junior years, like, oh, he might not be like that smart. Ryan, do you want to cue the listeners into uh, what current advanced degree you are, you are uh, procuring? Oh, oh, I don't want to boast, but uh, <laughs> nanotechnology is uh, nanotechnology engineer here. At the uh, University of Pennsylvania. Place. Uh, you can. Okay, yes. Okay. So no, Ryan. Ryan uh, took a Ryan switched to a boarding school. Uh, was that your sophomore year or your, your junior? So your junior after junior year, you went to uh, Taft, right? Yep, and oh. repeated. Okay. Did so, two years there, gotcha. and uh, if I didn't do that, would not have ended up a, as a classmate with Will at Haverford. So. Wow. So all you listeners. Yeah, all you listeners really can shove it uh, when you when I want to take all your preconceived notions and yeah. shove them up your ass. We have to assume that they were coming in, you know, with their judgment, and that's good that we straighten them out, you know. Yeah, we straighten our listeners, John. What is the one thing our podcast is? Ethical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time I've gotten it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> ethical. So, yeah. so we want to set them straight, but yeah. So I guess talking about the album, a big one of the big things I think about the mystique of Daft Punk has to be. Well, their uh, their relative lack of output, not in a negative way, but in the sense that there is they don't have a huge. They're not releasing an album every year. They're like the Daniel Day Lewis of musicians. <laughs> they choose a role every like four or five years, and when they do, they kill it and they put everything they have into it. Yeah, I mean, all, oh, yeah. all together. So their first studio album, Homework, Homework. nineteen ninety seven. Yep. Since then, they've only they have a total of four studio albums in total. It's not, that's not, doesn't count the Tron stuff slash some of their like um, live albums, live albums, stuff like that. They've homework, discovery, human after all. And then in 2013, we'll, we'll be talking about random access memories. Yeah. So I think that their like lack of output, like Ryan said, Ryan, you were starred for new Daft Punk because they just didn't have a lot out there. And when it came, when you get an album like this, that not only you are anticipating so much, but follows through, it's just a beautiful, beautiful marriage. Oh Yeah. I think one thing to comment about is like, so like these guys are perfectionists. They really like put their heart and soul in these albums, but there's one album that is just the outlier and that's human after all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but they produced human after all in two weeks. Ooh, I did yeah, not know two that. weeks. They were in the, in the studio for two weeks, produced the whole album, only 10 songs, but like they pumped it out and released it. No publicity. No one knew it was happening. It just was released. And there it was in the world. And initially it was taken like, not not very good at first because uh you know it just sounded nothing like their previous discovery a little bit more like homework with that like you know like uh techno grungy house sound yeah um but you know after a while people like warmed up to it um but yeah unlike all their other studio albums like this one pumped out in two weeks and I think a big thing with hearing like basically for what I've seen a lot of online and I guess me also listening to the albums um uh, I haven't listened to Human After All as much as I've listened to like their other stuff, but especially listening to Alive, uh, 2006, 2007. Uh, I think that people warming up to it mainly had to do with the new kind of spins they were putting on their music in the live recording, and especially during that tour, uh, that they were adding a lot of nuance and that people were able to see it and appreciate it maybe in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And those, those concerts definitely changed the way people saw electronic music. Mm-hmm. It's not like the artistry in it. 
Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, those. I mean, Alive of Six or Seven, phenomenal. I, I just, just got off the phone with our brother last the other night. He said he got that on CD. He just bought it the other day. So oh, Andrew did. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But I mean, even you looking at Human After All, like yeah, it's it's the outlier, but it's still. I mean, you have Human After All, Robot Rock, and Technologic, which I mean, Technologic is probably one of the most famous in like cool songs that they've ever come out with. Like, like Ryan said, like trying to memorize all the words to it is kind of <laughs> fun. But I mean, it's, it's 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 definitely different. It's really cool how it is different than most of their other, pretty much all their other studio albums now. Yeah, and uh, talking about kind of the live experience and the way they changed electronic music just from a live setting. Ryan, you want to talk about some of the background uh, to their 0607 live uh, tour, specifically their uh, concert at Coachella. Well, I can talk about the Coachella concert mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I guess that, yeah. Yeah, the Coachella concert. So they, they were offered uh, the summer before in 06 to perform at Coachella. Um, offered, what was that? I think like $2.5 million or something like that to play. Um, they turned it down. <laughs> and they were, then they were offered $3 million next year. And they accepted it. And so then they start preparing for this big concert. Um, they were like headlining this one night. Um, they were the only ones playing a tent that could fit 10,000 people, 40,000 people packed in. Um, they had this huge LED pyramid set up. Um, their manager had no idea what was going on. They had no one. They bought all the LEDs in North America, basically, to build this structure. The manager didn't know what was going on, wasn't allowed to see the pyramid, um, only the people building it were the ones that knew what was actually happening. And so no one knew what was happening when they came on stage. Basically all you saw was just a spotlight on the two robots standing up in this little pit lights weren't on. No one could tell that it was like this massive light show that was about to happen. And all of a sudden it's just like, it, it just drops. It starts off uh, with human after all, or like they're like human robot. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden just picks up, picks up. And then right when it drops, it's uh, um, robot rock and all the lights go on. And it was just, it's just like electric. And um, I know that in the, uh, what was it? The Daft Punk documentary Unchained, uh, Skrillex was at that concert or went to one of the Alive 2007 concerts. And that's when he decided he wanted to do electronic music, which I think is pretty cool. That it was like, inspiration for like a really big electronic music producer and uh for like our age our decade our our uh, lifetime yeah and just that that obviously is that <clears throat> kind of cool idea of that experience where it's just like it's something that a lot of people saw that concert in person on also secondhand stuff like that and they would definitely say oh my god that changed my life just in the way of thinking of like experiencing new music and looking at the setup and imagining what a live kind of format could be. But then also thinking about the amount of people, not just like Skrillex who was there at the actual, um, at the actual concert, but all the people who watched it being younger thinking it literally changed their life and that they decided this is what I want to do. I can do this. And just because like, I don't know, just because I'm not a performer in the way that other traditional music is right now, this is what I want to do. I will like become the best at this. And like, this is how I want to like, this is what I want to become. I want to be like Daft Punk. I want to be these robots on stage, like completely covered up uh, the, the entire spectacle of it, light just shining on them, going crazy and people losing their minds, you know, to quote, always sunny, getting their nips freaking blown off. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you yeah, just, I know. You look at like, and, and the fact that, sorry, you guys go. 
Now you go. You we, we defer okay. to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was all right. That's right. You defer to me. <laughs> the fact that, um, the fact that uh, um, you were saying about like other people seeing it secondhand, uh, that was around the time that, like cell phone cameras were were starting to become the norm. Yeah, and people were able to like videotape little bits and pieces of it, so you can like find that whole set, and it's like pieced together by a bunch of different like cell phone cameras. It's pretty cool. It's like you get all these different views. Um, of, of what the concert was like, you know, shaky hand, terrible footage, handheld phones. <laughs> um, and you, you get like a firsthand view of what it would be like to be like in the thick of it at that concert, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I like that, that that example of crowdsourcing there, putting together all of the um uh, of the uh, cell phone footage, like it's like it's the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, and I think that's really a live two thousand six, two thousand seven. I mean, you just see how it has its roots in that like mid 2000s to or mid to late 2000s early 2010s like edm scene i mean you have artists inspired like we said skrillex dead mao i mean zed calvin harris all these people that came up and like pretty much took pop music by storm becoming like major hits and all pretty much stemming from pretty much daft punk i mean daft punk is the head of this tree yeah just the, oh, yeah yeah the idea that like he that they are like quite literally just a guy. It's so it's so interesting because we hear a lot about like <clears throat> we hear a lot about these people that like came before us in like the fifties and sixties, like hearing about like Chuck Berry is like the the father of rock and roll, like Aretha Franklin being like the 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 godmother of soul or the, the queen of soul and stuff like that, and just these people that like these people that quite literally kind of created their own genre and that sp- sparked so many uh, not only influences but imitators. Um, and to think that we, we like kind of we were witnessing that or whatever at one time is phenomenal. And not only just the people that were became electronic dance music or house or techno artists, but the influence that it had on popular culture music in general on pop music. Like Ryan, like you said, the, the influence like stronger Kanye West using it as that song, you know, take away Daft Punk or from from this like discussion. That song was so incredibly huge. It is tough to describe how big that song was when we were kids. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree that like it also, you know, paved the way for electronic music to be incorporated in multiple music genres uh, mm-hmm. beyond just dance music. Mm-hmm. Like you just they're like all these like ghost producers that I know I know like one of my buddies has been producing music um on his free time during this quarantine. Uh and it's just like, you know, ghost producers producing music for other artists. And it's a lot of it's electronic, a lot of it's on the computer and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it has to start somewhere. And I, you know, started like in that uh, underground house scene in, in France in like the late 80s. Yep. Daft Punk jumped on it quickly. And they had the resources to really, um, you know, take off with it. And, and like, you know, like I, I think it was... Um, I forget who, who it was. One of their dads was a music uh, producer also. Mm. And he basically like, gave them all the tips and whatever to, to excel. And they had like all the equipment they needed. And you know, they were like, it pumped out their first, uh, their first singles, and, you know, sold it to Virgin and stuff like that. And it was just like so early into the game, so new, but it paved the way for it to become the norm of today. 
Yeah, and I like what you talked about them, like how them being so groundbreaking, what they did. However, the only way they got there is by having such a clear understanding of so many other musical roots, like you said, the French house scene in the 80s, early techno house scene, Um, especially what we'll see a lot of on this album is the influence the 70s disco scene had on them and the producers behind the scene. I mean, one of their songs is named after one of their biggest influences, Giorgio uh, Moroder or Moroder. Yeah, Moroder. Moroder, yeah, who was just uh, an incredible influence into that dance scene in the late 70s, uh, worked with Donna Summer, or uh, yeah, I think Donna Summer, um, and and like all of these other big names, I think he also worked with Madonna. Uh, had in, it was a rec, he was a record producer. He his studios were used by some of the biggest rock bands at the time in the seventies too. Um, but the fact that Daft Punk had such a rooted knowledge in those genres that they loved and not only just adored them, and I think that this kind of album is like a love letter to seventies and eighties disco, uh, but also just to take it to the next level and put their own touch on it. it just shows what kind of creative masterminds they are yeah and i also think with that i mean you also look at get lucky and yes. obviously the oh. yeah <laughs> it, it's, it was gonna come up i'll yeah, bring it up now exactly. but i mean you have um nile rogers on that and Nile rogers also like much like um georgia morador is yeah. one of the like pinnacle of 70s 80s like funk music i mean he was the guitarist founder of chic of the famous song Le Freak. Le Freak. If you don't know that song, I mean, it's... Uh, it'll pause the podcast. Yeah, and pause go. the pod. <laughs> go listen to it. It'll make you dance if you've never heard it before. Get on your it, dance it's still, shoes. Like, it's it's phenomenal. So I think it is... I think that is... This is a very good example of the, uh, their path and then looking back towards their roots and back to where they got their inspiration from the 70s and 80s and just taking that and running with it. Yeah, and another thing I think is really cool about the album is we talked about, like, obviously, like, one, I was talking about the mystique and how, you know, they kind of waited so long for producing new albums. Uh, one thing that I, I think I believe is evidence on a couple of their different kind of, like, uh, recordings and, like, content that they put out there, I think also in the Coachella concert, uh, is the kind of guerrilla marketing tactics and secrecy that they use is really, really cool. Like, uh, the way they promoted this, the two main things that I have off the top of my head, and if you guys have anything else, you can uh, bring it up, but is that they <clears throat> did, I think they ran a 30-second uh, ad in the middle of an SNL, uh, just completely unprompted that was advertising the album. I think it had Get Lucky on it. Uh, and then at the year's Coachella, so I think this, I think 2013. Yeah, 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 concert. The what? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, concert. I think it's 2013 yeah, yeah, Coachella. Yeah. After the yeah, yeah, or I think it was after them or before. So at some point, there was just a screen. It was in the middle. Was in the middle. Oh my god! It was yeah. there was just a screen that went on, and didn't it say? I don't know what it said on the screen, but it was just it was a completely. Well, it, was, it was Pharrell. It was Get Lucky. Oh, it was, it was like get- Pharrell at first just singing and then all of a sudden the music started playing and it like zoomed out and it was Daft Punk playing behind uh, beside Pharrell and it was like no way Daft Punk's back yeah yeah I think that was the first one Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that 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 gorilla that gorilla that marketing tech where no one knew they were in the building. Like they were just like because which is also which is so genius. The fact that they chose the robot helmets is that the type of anon- anonymity that they have is incredible. Where they can just walk like they were probably walking right through like Coachella and no one knew them. Like it was just crazy. Yeah. And, and then they went back and they blew everyone's minds again at Coachella. Which so like those two instances are like their guerrilla marketing tactics, which just make, it just oozes cool. 
Like it's like something like it's just something that's so cool about that. And like I liken it kind of to <clears throat> I know it's different, obviously, but I liken it to thinking of Banksy, like where Banksy, like you just like wake up one morning and bam, there's a there's a there's a painting somewhere on on some like part of the West End in London or somewhere in New York City or something. So like it's it just it gets people excited and they can pull it off just because of one, because of how incredibly creative and artistic they are, but also just I don't know. These ideas, they, they they just they're just so they're so fucking cool. <laughs> there was there was one other uh advertisement. I think that was like those these three were the big ones. Mm-hmm. It was a single billboard on Sunset Boulevard in LA. Oh, that's yeah. sick. And was it of the uh was it of like the backdrop shadow kind of view of that where it's uh, I know there's the like the get lucky image. It was the album cover, like the helmets, the two helmets okay. put together. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, on some yeah that's, that was it. Those three things, and it was just like hey, they're coming out with an album, and that's all people needed. <laughs> that's how, that. That is how you get uh, the people going. The other part of the marketing, and this is different from like what Ryan we I were talking about with the uh, pre kind of release kind of hype uh, that really sticks out to me, and one of the reasons why I love this album and just kind of like remember it fondly, even though it's only kind of tangentially uh, uh, related to it, is uh, in around this summer. Uh, Stephen Colbert was hosting his Colbert Report, and he had, for the past couple of years, he had done this thing called Colb Cella, which is his kind of like summer music series where he'd interview a lot of musicians, have fun. Uh, quite literally, actually, I didn't even mean that, but the year before, I think the big one was fun. He had on when they had Some Nights and yeah. a bunch of and their new album. Two years before that, he had uh, he had like uh, Talib Kweli, I think Florence Welch, Florence and the Machine, and Bon Iver. Uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, this year, he was hyping it up as a one-day event where they were going to have Daft Punk do a live performance. Uh, or I, I don't know if it was live or it was recorded, but they were going to have a new a new performance. Daft just, Punk was supposed to be there. Daft Punk was supposed to be there yeah. performing Get Lucky. Because Get Lucky, like you said, Ryan, that's no exaggeration. This was the vibe of the summer. And even if you weren't like a huge Random Access Memories guy, like get lucky was the song of the summer yeah i mean it's it's, oh, yeah. it's what uh nice for what was for for summer 2018 exactly I mean, exactly a great parallel it, like i mean drake's it's, nice for what you may not songs where it's like you it's one of those songs where like you're you're flipping through the radio stations and it's on three of the radio stations at once yeah exactly 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 like, <laughs> like, you may not be the biggest drake fan like i'm not too in-depth on my on drake but like nice for what comes on like I mean, okay. Like, right. I mean, I'm not going to come two notches up on the volume. Yeah, exactly. Just get a little moving, you know? <laughs> so Stephen Colbert was, he was calling the Steve Fest Coachella 2013. I think it was like the song of the sound of the song of the summer is what it was called. And he was talking about uh, Daft Punk being there and hyping it up huge uh, because Daft Punk doesn't do a lot of live performances, which is so yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, the day of the show Stephen Colbert finds out that Van Toffler, the head of Viacom, which is yeah, the MTV. which which is the conglomerate that owns Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, VH1, said that Daft Punk's appearance is going to get canceled on the Colbert Report to make their uh, performance at the VMAs later that summer more important. <laughs> <laughs> which Colbert was kind of making fun of the, the whole performance at the Grammys. You mean? No, it was the VMAs, I believe. It was at the MTV oh, really? Music Awards. Oh, the MTV Music Well, that's the VMAs, Music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Music Video Awards, yeah. Music, Video Music, Music Awards. Awards. <laughs> yeah, it was their performance at the VMAs that yeah, summer. Okay. Um, 
And the, oh, which, I see, yes, because it was their conglomerate with MTV. Okay, yeah. yeah. Exactly, it was with MTV. So it was Van Toffler, and then Colbert obviously is just like, yes, because that's how business works. Like, you see a band once, and you never want to see them again. <laughs> that's why the Beatles tanked after they were on that Sullivan. <laughs> and so, like, he was doing it tongue-in-cheek. He had a great – he played it off perfectly in the sense that, like, he pretended that there were these Kia executives in the front row that had, like, paid a lot of money <laughs> yeah. to watch Daft Punk there, and they were nervous. He was nervously doing the whole show he's just like we'll be back right after this i hope <laughs> um yeah he played it off perfectly and then he did like so then part of it was like he he did he just did a dance music video with a bunch of his former guests um to get lucky uh where it was just playing in the background and it was with like jeff bridges um jimmy fallon jimmy fallon i think John Stewart, henry kissinger henry kissinger from the, from the top rope <laughs> exactly henry henry kissinger former secretary of state <laughs> matt damon just a whole list of them a whole list of them um and the rockets i believe yes uh, so, so he did that whole music video goes back to the key executives the key executives are still not pleased and then out of nowhere which is so funny because this was a complete swerve Robin Thicke is quote unquote in the audience. So they see Robin Thicke. This, the other song of the summer was Blurred Lines, which was uh, also huge. Uh, yeah. So Robin Thicke is just like, hey, Steven, I can perform. And he's like, uh, could you do that? Yeah. That song was gigantic also. Like yeah. you, there was no escaping it. One, one, I mean, that's just the definition of a one hit wonder right there. Robin Thicke. Robin yeah. Thicke, Blurred Lines. Also, John, what is this podcast? Also, Pharrell Williams in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pharrell also. Pharrell. 2013, good year yeah, for Pharrell. <laughs> when did Happy come out? Yeah, that was like 2015, maybe 2014, I, I think. I mean, so if, I if you were... story of how Pharrell ended up with Daft Punk. Um, it was... I don't know the context. This, uh, this was a lot of the stuff I'm pulling is from the uh, documentaries I've seen. But um, it was Pharrell. He was interviewed about... Um, working with with Daft Punk and apparently they're at some like gala type thing in, in New York and you know he he ran into them was talking to them talking about like what type of stuff they were working on and uh and Pharrell's just like yeah I've been working on this like whole Nile Rogers vibe <laughs> Daft Punk's like we got Nile Rogers in the studio tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> so he did that's how he that's how he linked up to do uh, get lucky with Nile Rogers wow that is, I mean that's something else and happy 2013 as well. Whoa. If you were a big hat in 2013, <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, you're doing well. Great, great year for Pharrell. Wow, that's like... Uh, that's but again, like, we have to talk... What is this podcast, John? We're, we're ethical. We're ethical. There is a controversy with Blurred Lines getting its beat stolen from a Marvin Gaye song. Yeah. So, listeners, we are not passing judgment, nor are we making a call that stands in both the court of public opinion and the actual federal courts. Um, But we just had to put that out there, that 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 is something we have to deal with when we consume, as we all listen to Blurred Lines so many times in our daily life. And Robin Thicke, real quick, if I had to choose between you or Marvin Gaye, I'm sorry, buddy, Marvin's getting the call up. Who is his father? Alan Thicke, famous Canadian actor. I, I, I feel like he had more famous like Alan Thicke. Okay, fine. I know Alan Thicke is his dad. That's his famous. In gro- he was in Growing Pains. He had a TV show called Unusually Thick and also T H I C K E. And then as well, and he's known also for his appearances in the hit 
CBS. Oh, I know that guy. How I Met Your Mother. Isn't he like, doesn't he do like American life commercials? Doesn't he do insurance commercials now? Yeah, he's like the Canadian uh, Henry, uh, what's his name? What is his name? Uh, Oh, Henry uh, Winkler? Henry Winkler. Okay, gotcha. Um, (laughs) That's what I would refer to him as, as being a star of. I guess it was 80s. I don't really know one. Okay. Happy days. It was an 80s I comedy. I assume it was um, 80s, but yeah. Anyways, uh, but yeah, so back to Steve Fest Cold Challenge 2013. Robin Thicke in the crowd. Uh, Robin Thicke, Song of the Summer, uh, Blurred Lines, starring Emily Ratajkowski. Yes. Uh, salaciously. Mm-hmm. Um, really shot her to the spotlight. Shot her to the moon. It's, I mean, because like, I mean, it became big because like, oh, sh- oh, oh shit, that was the girl from iCarly. <laughs> and like, and like, yes. and then it was the whole thing. I remember that summer. That exactly. Was the, 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 uh, the, the layers. <laughs> the uh, different layers. Robin Thicke gets on stage, performs. The key executives finally give Stephen the thumbs up. His show, quote unquote, is an axe. Yeah. Um, but I just remember that was back, that was back, like, I would go in and out basically from like, when I started at kind of like high school to like through the high school years, there would be phases where I would go in and out watching a lot of Colbert Rapport. Uh, I mean, it didn't help that it was like on late. So like, I wouldn't like watch it a whole time during the school year, but especially over the summers, watch a lot of Colbert Rapport. Cause it was, I love Stephen Colbert and it was, it was hilarious. Like it was so funny. Uh, and that was one of those periods where I was watching a lot of Colbert uh, Rapport. And I remember Steve Fest Colbert and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's coming up. Steve Fest Colbert. And then I was like, Oh my God, Daft Punk's on. I love their new album. What? This is going to be sick. And then, being disappointed that I, I remember mom was in the room with us. Like we had everyone at the TV uh, being disappointed that Daft Punk wasn't showing up, but also just laughing out loud at what they did to like play it off was great. And it, I know like in the grand scheme of things, probably didn't have that much of an effect on the marketing of the album. Cause at that point it already was a number one album on its way. Like you said, John's winning Grammy for record of the year yeah. and being, I think one of the top ones at the char- end of the year charts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but it it was just so funny and that's also just like a special kind of memory for me with random access memories yeah and also just that like, was a really good memory that's and also just, it's also gotta give a shout out to Kia then because that's like I'm pretty sure that's like middle of like the Kia hamsters commercials which were just amazing too oh really so, you know like the saturation Kia. probably also Kia went hamsters. so like so like that's like so you gotta assume that like the Kia executives like that's like you're mo- what, that's when you're most going to get your money out of having <laughs> Kia executives in the stands, you know? <laughs> and I think that also was when uh, Blake Griffin dunked over the Kia in the oh, NBA wow. dunk contest. Wow, Kia. I, let's see. I, I got to Kia, that. Daft Punk, and Robin Thicke blowing up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. the Kia-sance. It's the Pharrell-sance. Yeah. I mean, he dunked in 2011, but still, I mean, that's, 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 that's still height. That's still height, you know? <laughs> the hamster commercials. Dude, hamster commercials first started coming out in 2010. 2011 must have been a good year for Kia. I mean, that's, you know, they're such a new car brand, you know? <laughs> so, have you seen that car on the road at all? <laughs> well, good gas mileage, though. Really? For, yeah. I remember they had their commercial. They had, like, one car they got, like, I'm mm. pretty sure, 40 miles per gallon. Kia, I know, I know this is, I know this isn't the apex that you once had in the early two thousands, but we are still searching for sponsors. Two thousand tens. You pushing product well? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we we have a saying in the podcast business, Ryan: no free press. Yeah. Uh, no. So, no free press. and we will sh- we will shamelessly ask for you know possible donations and possible shouts outs from any 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 sort of source outside, yeah. outside of our one major enemy of. Big caffeine, big caffeine, which we have we have already a, a, a launched an assault on. Yeah, 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 but 
we'll do it again. We might have to start vetting all of our guests by asking them what their stance on <laughs> with caffeine. Yeah, coffee, caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> mainly coffee, mainly coffee. Mainly coffee. Uh, Ryan, you're not a huge coffee drinker, are you? I don't drink coffee at all. So. Let's go! Yes, let's go! <laughs> Famously yeah. anti-coffee on the podcast. Yeah, we, we got no coffee drinkers in this room right now, so you know it's, it's. So we love to see that out of our guests. It's not required, you know. We'll still have our guests. One of our most recent was Jack Woolley, and he was he's pretty big coffee. Guy. He was adamant. He was adamant. He was team. He was pro big caffeine. Very very few times on the podcast have we encountered someone pro caffeine who really wanted to spar with us. <laughs> Jack wanted to go at it. Yeah, he was he was defending his. his he was not backing down. You know? What I mean, I need caffeine. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a drug. 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 Oh, back to Kia. We diverge. Of course. Digress. 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 The um. Uh, so I, I mean, I, this is just—it's it, kind of fun talking about this album because, like, summer twenty thirteen. I mean, so how old were you guys? Like, 15, we were seventeen. Or seventeen. Sixteen, seventeen. 16, I was probably well, no, like sixteen. I was sixteen going on yeah, seventeen. Fourteen. I mean, it's just like a fun I sort of was fun time to remember going because seventeen. Okay. Sorry, go on. We didn't need that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. It's just a fun time. I mean, just reminiscing about all these different things, not just the Daft Punk album, but like the little things, the Kia hamsters. I mean, oh, all yeah. these like little like ad blocks, the Colbert Report. I mean, it's just cool, cool to reminisce about the stuff like. I agree, and but the but the beautiful thing is like I would not call this a period piece at all. Uh, once one because obviously, um, obviously Daft Punk hasn't released anything new, so this is the last thing we have to go off of them. But their music has held up so incredibly well. Uh, it came, like I said, just because it came, it, it it was released in the middle of probably one of the heights of dubstep and electronic music in that like 2010, 2013 Skrillex was at all new heights, uh, mm-hmm. dead mouse, uh, Axwell and Grosso, Swedish house mafia, Martin Garrix, Martin Garrix uh, Steve Aoki, yeah. Calvin Harris, David Guetta. I could go on. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot yeah. of them. You probably, heard- they brought, they brought like the, like real dance music vibes, all those big names. Like and then Daft Punk just came out with something that was like, Yeah, we've done that before. Yeah. We're just like we're going we're going disco. Yeah. It's just like a completely different vibe and you know, it, it just worked. I think I think it that's worked. a that's a very cool point because it is like because you you have we like we talked about 0607 inspired a lot of these people and a lot of Daft Punk's earlier stuff inspired these names. And this is at the height of like like Skrillex hitting you with like an oh my god and then like immediate bass drop but like oh but like yeah, exactly. <laughs> scary monsters nice sprites all that stuff all that good stuff but they come in and they're just like we're gonna take it down a notch exactly. like we're, we're gonna come in real slow real smooth and they just and turn I mean, it down to six yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys you guys are 13 we're turning it to six and like and i think it's a good i mean they start off the album with give life back to music and I think that's like oh, kind of, a, I think that's a, it's a great start. It's sort of a thesis statement. Yeah. I mean, it is. And it's like, it's the first studio album, like legitimate. I mean, they, uh, new recording, new, new studio recording, album, new yeah. studio album, pretty much their first like big one since discovery. Yeah. And they started off and they're just like, we're going to, we're going to start it slow. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get into this. Like, yeah. don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> we're going to start off with a couple, couple songs slowly bring you into it yeah pretty much hit the crescendo in my opinion around the eighth or ninth song and then 
once again, smooth out at the end again. Uh, and uh, kind of picking up on something you said there, uh, the, talking about how like everyone was zigging one way and they zag. I think that's something you'll see with all great musicians across genre and artists is that when they get cut into a comfort zone, they pivot and they move into some new territory, which is not like disco was an entirely new territory, but they did kind of reach out and do something that was against the grain, against the grain that they started. And I think like when I think of Daft Punk, one of the main kind of themes and like, I guess, words that comes to my head is subversion, subverting. So they subverted kind of expectations with this more disco inspired album. And I also think of just like all of their songs, Ryan, you talked about them being a perfectionist and being so clinical with uh, their music it's so ironic that like you think people when some people like see that punk you're just like how can these people be so incredibly like how can they be such perfectionists when a lot of their songs are repetitive beats repetitive or like one beat or one theme repeating a lot and especially repetitive lyrics like you look at a song like doing it right uh which is a phenomenal song in the album uh, you would think that someone that like painstakingly and was a, such a perfectionist over these like tracks would come up with something that would be, you know, seemingly to the eye more sophisticated. But they subvert that because that ain't Daft Punk. That ain't Daft Punk. And I think of it like each of their songs, the goals of their songs is to evoke a feeling or get a message across. And I think that the economy that they use sometimes in beats, the economy in melodies and the economy in lyrics just makes it all the more ingenious. I have two points following up what you just said. First off, disco's is disco is the only genre that has a definitive death date. Oh, the, 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 the day that disco died. The day that disco died. <laughs> only music genre has definitive death. Date. They, brought, they brought it back. <laughs> Resurrected it. And then, and then two, um, just a, a, a small thing about their perfectionism is just that, like, I don't know if. Our listeners have listened to, uh, yeah, they're my listeners too now. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! It's a trap. It's a trap. Hi, Jack. Ryan is recording from his end. (laughs) The the third song on the album, Giorgio by Marauder. Yep. um, Where it literally starts off the first minute is just uh, uh, Giorgio just talking about his upcoming in music. Um, And apparently, when he sat down in the studio, he just they, they just told him there's like go just start talking about how you got into music like from start to end just, you know a, a brief summary of your of your musical career and he had four microphones in front of him and it was a microphone from the uh, 70s a microphone from the 80s a microphone from the 90s and a microphone there's just a modern day one and so four microphones in front of him and he just has to talk into them and he was just like why why four microphones why do we need these like they all sound the same and he was just like the thing was is like. It sounds the same to every anybody, but it doesn't sound the same to them. So they they hear those like tiny differences, whatever it is. They they hear those things. They want they know what they want, and they go and get it. And if it if it has to do with like the tiny differences between four different microphones from four different decades, then that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's that, so that's Daft the, Punk. I, mean, that's, I that's love the that. The most Daft Punk thing, and Giorgio by Maroder is probably the most interesting song on this album. I mean, it's like eight minutes long, and it, like you said, like it's the the lyrics for like is just like him giving a like a biography of how he got into music. Yeah, this Italian accent, yeah, exactly. And it's and it's really oh, yeah. weird. It's really interesting. It's a cool song, and I think it just. I mean, yeah, like you said, it shows their perfectionist, and I, I mean. I honestly don't think Random Access Memories is that much 
It's, I mean, it's a zigzag of the current time of music. It's not really a zigzag in their music history. No, but, like, I would say that thinking of, like, how they – I mean, it was, like – it definitely has a theme, and it definitely is kind of different than some of their other, I would say, more kind of, I don't know, techno-y kind of beats that they came up with in, like, homework and stuff like that. Well, okay, it's – I mean, so I think really their big zigzag is going from homework to discovery because homework is house. Homework it's, – it's house music – like it's them coming in and being like, okay, we're the best at house music. <laughs> and then discovery, they're coming in and they're like, all right, now we're going to throw you guys back to disco and yeah. we're still going to kill it. We're still going to be, have our house roots, but we're going to get our inspiration from the disco. Mm-hmm. And then random access memory sort of like, yeah, we still got it. Like, mm-hmm. like, don't like, like, don't worry about it. That's, that's how I usually go through those three albums. I think, discovery and random access memories are more like than any other possible between their albums, but that's that's at least how I view it. But I do agree, it's a zigzag of what the current electronic music was going at the time, though. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think that uh, I, I agree. Like, I'm, 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 I'm not going to sit here and say that this is like completely new territory for them. It's it's uh, it's it's disco and they, they, they it's disco and, and funk and that kind of seventies, uh, eighties dance scene, which is like, they, they've, they've never been shy about saying that they have uh, their inspiration. I guess I was more talking about their kind of how they ushered in this wave of electronic music. And then like when their next album they release is very much just like, very much a disco, a disco seventies yeah. inspired electronic album, uh, which is really cool. One thing that I thought was fascinating is I've seen some interviews with the, uh, for listeners, they want to uh, learn more about Daft Punk. Obviously, like Ryan said, the documentaries are phenomenal. Uh, I read a very, very good article uh, about Random Access Memories and its release uh, that was uh, done by Rolling Stone. They did a huge cover piece uh, about them, and they followed Guy and uh, Tomas, Thomas all around. Tomas. Tomas. Is it Tomas or Thomas? I think it's Thomas. Tomas. It's Tomas? Tomas the French. Oh, French. Yeah, Tomas. French. Tomas. Guy and Tomas. I'm Tomas. Yeah. <laughs> It's Gee. Oh, it's Gee? Oh, Gee. Gee. Yeah. Oh, that's even cooler. Tomas and Gee. Tomas and Gee. Anyways, uh, as the reporter from uh, Rolling Stone follows them around uh, around their studio and their home in Paris, I believe. Uh, and uh, it was really, it was it's a very, very eye-opening and really cool and uh, insightful, cool uh, article just learning more about the men behind the robot mask. My point being that they actually have a point in there where they – kind of disparage some of the electronic music artists that became kind of their offspring and stuff like that. They definitely, which is interesting that they kind of took a bit of a negative stance towards some of the, or I wouldn't say negative, but they definitely look a little bit disdainfully on some of the more uh, less nuanced electronic music that definitely came from their way, which is so interesting. That's such like a, that, that I mean, obviously, like that's uh, that happens with people who like these new innovators. They they get these imitators and people who kind of take it the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, but I found it interesting. I mean, yeah, if you if you come out with something that's completely brand new, and then you have other people that try and copy you slash put their own twist on it, so you're just like, eh, not really what I was going for. <laughs> but you know, okay, nice try. Yeah. You know, like it's it's like you know they have their idea of what they wanted to you know, produce whatever and like when people try and like mimic them it's you know you, you can take it as a compliment or you can take it as like an insult when they try and put their own twist to it and it's just like no that's just not not the vibe we were going for and I, th- I think it's important for an artist like Def Punk to be like hey listen like yeah I see the inspiration but also be like 
our music's different. Like, I mean, cause they're, I mean, their music is different than a lot of these. They're not, like you said, they're, they're very particular with their music. They're very intricate. They like detail oriented in how they make their music. Like, like Ryan said, with the Georgia Mordor story, like, so like, I completely get when they're like, when they talk about these people that are influenced by them and that try to like almost take the torch from them, they're like, hold up. Like we have our way and we're, we're we think it's better. I mean, they, they, not that they think it's better, but like, they're like, like, this is our music. Like don't really group us in together. Cause our music is different. Totally. Totally. They're definitely, they would definitely be this. They would definitely be of the stance. Like, Hey, if you think I'm like Dylan Francis, like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not that like alike even though definitely Bill Francis took some took some uh, inspiration from Daft Punk two of the artists that I definitely see uh, a lot of Daft Punk influence who I think that they would be more inclined to look positively on um, one more direct influence I would say just because they came much after Daft Punk and then one kind of tangentially because they were coming up around the same time is uh, Chromio, which is one of my favorite electronic uh, acts. Chromio definitely took a lot of uh, took a lot. They definitely took a lot of influence from Daft Punk, even though they were kind of coming up in the similar time. They started, I believe, in 02. Um, I think they were a huge influence on them, and they, they kind of took electronic music. I don't know. I feel like in 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 the same spirit as Daft Punk, and Daft Punk would appreciate that. The other, which is one of my favorite uh, electronic current electronic uh, outputters today, is Disclosure. Uh, the two, the duo from uh, England, who definitely are more on the housey side of things, but they, I've seen a lot of parallels in the way they approach music as Daft Punk, not to obviously the extremes, and I would never kind of put them on the same level as Daft Punk, but uh, they're another electronic music artist duo that kind of definitely has plenty of nuance in their output. Uh, plenty of discretion with the music they put out and around this time also put out a very seminal album in Settle, which was their album that had hits like Latch, White Noise, uh, Fire Starts to Burn. I'm trying to think of what the other big hit is from their album. Uh, but like that, that's simulation. When, <laughs> simulation. Simulation, yes. Yeah, Simulation, another big one. Uh, but that, that, another one of my favorite electronic albums of all time to Settle uh, uh, coming out around that time. I think you nailed it on the head there, Will, with, like, you know, Disclosure and Chromio. Like, you're so right. that, that Like, you know, Daft Punk has two, you know, I don't want to say distinct, but they have two pretty distinct songs, you know, with their, you know, funky um, funky vibes that they give off on uh, Random Access Memories and, you know, more of their, like, uh, like EDM house vibes and Discovery and then you take it to like the grungy house vibes and, uh, and Human After All and Homework. It's just like, you know, you they cover a spectrum and I think Chromio and Disclosure definitely capture those. And are, like their essence is really, you know, captures that in a positive way. Yeah, I, at least I would hope so. Uh, just because, just from the sense that they definitely sound inspired and also they're two of my uh, also favorite uh, uh, electronic. Of course. Of course. You don't, you don't like them stop listening I, guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I highly I, I've been telling this to everyone but I highly recommend um, uh, Disclosure's new single they put out uh, they released it was with Ecstasy Tondo and one other song uh, really really good uh, and obviously if you haven't listened to Settle everyone has heard Latch which is a song yeah. with Sam Smith incredible song doesn't get enough uh, doesn't get enough love as one of the best songs of the past decade but an incredible song if you haven't listened to all of Settle through please do White Noise has one of the best backing bass lines of all time 
uh, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. No, 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 no. Like, uh, have you listened to White Noise? Probably I've don't listened know. to White Noise, but to say that it's like, uh, uh, I do not agree with this. That bass. I mean, to say that it has one of the best well, okay. bass lines of all time. Well, it's not even like it's not, around the world. Oh, around the world, obviously. Like we're, we're in a Daft Punk podcast. Like, I mean, we're going to talk about I mean, around yeah, the world. I mean, just backing bass lines. Okay, I wouldn't even call it because I think it's also I think it's also a synthesizer. But that backing synthesizer, just rhythm of uh, white noise, is one of my favorites. This is just me personal. It's my personal opinion. Well, no, but you said it's one of the best. You made it seem like a fact. My opinion. Okay, fine. Uh, I I, I had half a mind. I edit these podcasts. Damn it. I'm going to put in the baseline or the synth line in the background and people are going to decide for the damn selves. Disclosure Settle, one of the best house albums out there. I mean, like, especially in the last 10 years, 2010's up there, one of the best EDM albums. But, I mean, just to say loosely that I think it's a bit of a it's, – it's a little wild. I don't to jump down your throat when you put opinions on the podcast. Well, okay. I'm just – I you know – this is this is all about conversation, and I'm just trying to you know breathe the conversation even more. I will jam my dump through your eye. <laughs> you know, re- okay, here, reason will prevail. Reason will prevail. Okay, okay, we're good. About to happen. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's White Noise is a very good song. Very always, good song. always Sunny Season 7 is going to be uh, episode 25 on the podcast. Yeah, episode by episode. Yeah. Season. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I got so hot right there. <laughs> uh, again, John, what am I going to do? I'm going to get the lures out, get okay. the five-cent worms, paying too much for my worm guy. Yeah, you, you got to get a better worm guy. I'm going to reel us back in. I got a good rice guy. My worm guy, not the best. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're, you're paying way too much for your horn. <laughs> uh, I guess let's, we, we can start and go into the theme, starting the, some of the themes, what we like about the album. Uh, another cool point that we we're, we're talking a bit about the recording and about the background of the album. Uh, it was partly recorded in uh, Electric Lady Studios in New York City, which is a really cool. Uh, it was started by Jimi Hendrix in 1970, uh, named after his album Electric Ladyland. Uh, unfortunately, I believe he died the next year uh, in 71. Um, so he actually wasn't able to utilize the studio uh, all that often, but it's a famous uh, studio in New York. I walked past it a bunch in Greenwich. It's a really cool space, and it's like if you play at the Lady, it's sick. At the Lady, yeah, it's, it's, it's called the Lady. We're at the Lady. Yeah, well, you don't hang out at the Lady. Yeah. It's not a bar. I don't know. I feel like you could hang out at the Lady. Yeah, you know, you, know, you and some friends, you should record some music. <laughs> exactly, playing down some funky beats in, in the laboratory. Yeah, and back in the lab. I'm the lab. <laughs> That's what I would call my uh, what, what I would call my recording studio. Back at the lab. The lab. Okay, that's the lab. I feel like you got to be. A, that's that's not original. No, it isn't. That's but it's hilarious. It's, 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 it's phenomenal. Yeah, you like, get the Beats Lab, you get the Beats Factory. It's just not original. Yeah. <laughs> well, like so for, for my senior year, our volleyball team. Whenever we after a game, we're just like, "All right, boys, back in the lab tomorrow." Like, get it for our for our practices. You know? Take Instagram like stories of like the soundboards. Like we call this the assembly line. <laughs> 
but yeah, it was recorded at the Lady, which is really cool. Um, I think John. You, I you, think that didn't didn't uh, um, what's his name? Uh, now Rogers record Sheikin in that in that studio. Oh, I believe they were huge. They were huge stalwarts of the New York disco scene. Um, one of their their most, like we said, their famous song uh, "La Freak." Uh, one of the like parts of the chorus is "Come on down to 54, which is Studio Fifty Four for this ah. disco tech. <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks again. I, uh, <laughs> I hope that is good. <laughs> Freak out. Um, one of the themes of the podcast is me acapelling. Um, yeah, <laughs> did you say two wars, Ryan? We have Ryan Tetro. Now, Ryan, uh, is there a war going on? <laughs> so, they actually, the way it's looking, so they their original, their debut album was recorded in Electric Lady. Oh, that's so cool. Chic. And then they, after that, mostly yeah. mostly Power Station. Oh, and cool. Also in Manhattan. All right. In, in Manhattan. So they say moved up, and they went to Manhattan. Well, no, a lady is in Manhattan. Oh. Greenwich Village is part of Manhattan. Don't okay. worry. I'm not from New York. Yeah. Uh, I also did. Ooh, big New Yorker over here. Ooh, big man. Uh, yeah. Big man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, no, so, uh, the, the, but yeah, Chic big in the New York, uh, disco scene. Uh, yeah. and also interesting that a Chic album was recorded there and that, uh, Daft Punk was recording there also. Um, with, 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 with Nile Rodgers, you said? Yeah. 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 I, I, I just couldn't hear you. A throwback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It all comes full circle. It's all connected. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all goes around the world, you know? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, oh. Yeah, we like to bring things full circle on the podcast. Uh, a, a minute break while we play around the world for <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, John, I'm gonna say around the world 140 times. <laughs> John, you uh, you talked about this point earlier how there is a very nice uh, peak valley kind of structure to the uh, album where it does start out slower, slower songs. Like I would even argue, like Give Life Back to Music is a little bit more on the upbeat side, but the Game of Love within very slow kind of I would call them ballady almost yeah. uh, and then moving into just the hit central kind of upbeat uh, at least from like a tempo standpoint of instant crush lose yourself to dance the end of touch get lucky etc and then going back down to songs like motherboard fragments doing it right and contact yeah. it out yeah I think it's it's they definitely arrange I mean they're very good at arranging their albums yeah. uh, obviously makes sense with how much I mean if you look at all their stuff and like you said, it's re- it really comes in sections. We have one to four, which kind of, I guess you could see, one is really just like the entrance. It's really just like opening the door. Like you said, thesis statement. Yeah, the thesis statement. Then you have two through four, and then you go instant crush featuring Julian Casablancas, the lead singer of the famous New York band, The Strokes. I mean, the subliminal. And guitarist, right? No. No? He's not good enough. Uh, no, I believe he is because he plays guitar on this. Uh, he, on this well, song. Like, no, I believe that he may he plays guitar, but like there's a lot of the Stroke stuff. Like uh, one of my one of my friends from back at school is a massive Strokes fan, oh. and uh, he taught he told me about like how like a lot of the guitars, especially on "Is This It," is not done by him because he just simply can't do it because it's too difficult. Oh, okay, cool. But I mean, but he may uh, that makes sense how he would do. He can be. He could play. Yeah. Yes, he's also in a couple of my, he also has a couple other songs where I know he features on he, he's on a crap what is it called who's the not CeeLo Green in uh, Danger Mouse Danger Mouse yeah I was I, I thought I was I was, thought I was gonna say Dead Mouse but 
but I mean, modest mouse. <laughs> yeah, modest mouse. But <laughs> danger, you know, but like Danger Mouse, he does a song with him where it's, it's similar to Instant Crush, but it, where he comes in, he has a nice guitar, very good vocals. But I mean, like I said, that's a good song. Lose Yourself to Dance, where you first introduced to Pharrell. Comes yes. in, very good song. Touch, a long song. I love mm-hmm. Touch. I really it's, love it. It's, it's like two songs almost in one. Yeah. It's it's very cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I never I never really listen to Touch. I would always skip it mm-hmm. just because I was off put by the intro. But it, it was like after, you know, then I, I got to the point where I would just listen to the album all the way through, not skip. And like I realized like halfway through the song, it just completely changes. <laughs> a completely different song halfway through. And I'm like, whoa. Whoa. The song is way more upbeat and way like, like it starts off like Touch. I remember Touch. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Touch was really well. Like, and that's a theme on a couple of their longer songs. Is like the arrangement around it is definitely the, that's where like the longer the songs, they'll have a very complex arrangements. Like you say, Touch kind of goes back and forth. I think I believe at the end of Touch, it also goes back to that kind of lower. Uh, yeah, it, yeah it, it, it goes back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, I mean, a great song. I wouldn't call it my favorite. Um, yeah. we're gonna leave that for the end. But <laughs> uh, I definitely like. A hidden gem. Yeah. It buried like right in the middle, like the, the, you know, when it's like upbeat, up tempo part right in the middle of the song. It's, it's funny because it's like middle of the album, middle of the song. It's like, Ooh. you know, it's the most, I feel like it's the most like housey song on their album. Yeah. 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 I would definitely see that. Uh, toward, I would definitely see that as like a house inspired song. I'm trying to think of other ones that would have. You like, say doing it right, maybe. Doing it right's like techno. I wouldn't yes, call that house. Right, you're right. Uh, but yeah, I, motherboard I, maybe motherboard 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 Ma- makes sense with the name with like the name mother. motherboard. But I mean, motherboard. yeah, that's probably good. I mean, but yeah, you've touch, and then you have like almost what I would call almost like the coup de gras of the of the album, which with, is get lucky. I mean, obviously, I mean, well, we've talked a lot about it, and like one thing that I loved about going back to this because I don't listen to like get lucky that often, just because we got inundated so much with it, and it is the only song like. Besides one more time, it's one of the only songs that's played on top forty. Like now, like in like a lot of pop culture, right, that was top. That was well, it's still get lucky. It still played a lot yeah. on top forty radio. Um, and but going back and listening to it when I was listening to the album uh, in preparation for the the podcast was I. It's such a tiny thing, but the the non radio edit has like four bars more of an intro, which I just loved. Like I was, I was so ready for the like get lucky intro, like how it starts when you just listen to it normally, like on the single edit. Yeah. Uh, and those like four extra bars, which just it was just a tiny thing where it's just well, like I love this. It's like because like the radio edit is like it makes you think that the song's only like four, three and a half minutes long. So yeah. I think the radio edit's like four minutes long. It's like the song it's is single. six minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a long song. It's very. I mean. It's Daft Punk, so like it's not like they're throwing in too many twists and turns throughout the song. It's pretty steady yeah, baseline yeah. throughout the entire throughout the entire song as well. But I mean, obviously, like we said, "Song of the Summer" twenty thirteen still played today. Understandably so, because whenever it does come on, if I'm ever listening to the radio and it comes on, I'm gonna listen to "Get Lucky." Yeah, get because like, get... like it's a good song. I mean, it's, a great, it's a great song. I think I think it's really Daft Punk being like, "Yo, if we were to just do pop music, we would be what? the best. We could be like, it's literally like, guess what? Like, we could put out an album." And be the best at. We pop. could put out an entire album, get luckies, and we would just own yeah. pop. But that's not what we want to do. No, that's not them. That's 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 not their vibe. But I mean, you have that, and then you have Beyond. 
Honestly, I don't really remember Beyond too much. Beyond is another. Um, uh, I, I love Beyond. Yeah. It's it's just like it's an orchestra. Yeah. Um, actually, it was like a lot of the orchestra influence in this album came from them working on the Tron Legacy album. Oh, really? So that was the first time that they ever like used actual orchestras, took those orchestras and mixed them into electronic, uh, like synthetic type sounds um for the tron like you wouldn't know the tron was like a lot of orchestra because yeah. it made it was made to like sound futuristic but um beyond it's um it starts off with a string section yeah um, oh yeah yeah and then it just like it goes it builds up builds up and it just dies and it's like dreams beyond dreams yeah and it's just like it just holds that for the rest of the way like i don't know just relaxing song um Start obviously right after Get Lucky. It's like that start of that dip down to the end of the album, um, and I think that that's like one of the best songs on the album. One of the things that is interesting, Brad. I think one of the interesting things that is uh, you can kind of point to besides just the linear kind of structure of, or not the linear, but like looking at it, the track listing and looking at how it peaks and valleys and kind of stuff and the tempo and the, and the mood. Um, the other interesting divide I see on the album is, and I, I, I guess I haven't like done this and looked at other Daft Punk albums, but it kind of hit me when I was listening to this is how there is kind of like an even distribution of Daft Punk local uh, vocal songs and non Daft Punk vocal songs. So if you look at like oh, yeah. the songs like, Instant Crush. I'm I'm reading them off the Wikipedia page, but Instant Crush, Lose Yourself to Dance, uh, Touch, Get Lucky, Fragments of Time, and Doing It Right um, are the non-Daft Punk vocalized songs. I mean, there are Daft Punk vocals in those, but it's a lot of um, that you could call it like you're featuring other people. They're the main features. Exactly. Exactly. So like, for instance, like doing it right is a ton of Daft Punk vocals, but you think about it, he's Panda Bear. That's kind of cutting through. Uh, So I think it's interesting how there is that kind of um, interplay and it feels like a great even distribution where that you are not like you're not getting tired of listening to the same kind of Daft Punk robot vocals, even though they do a great job of like mixing it up, like even looking at the beginning of the um, uh, the beginning of the album, the difference in the Daft Punk kind of vocals in give life back to music and within uh, are just like, they're both the same vocals, but the way they're modulated creates such a different effect that it's beautiful. It's like within is just the sad, soulful kind of yearning, like wanting kind of vocals that are so kind of like crooning and give life back to music is, is like, I think of it as just classic robot uh, daft punk we're here to get asses on the dance floor and talk about how we love music uh so i think that they do a great job of within only using within their own vocals modulating it so it stays fresh uh that being said the interplay of all the other featuring artists and their vocals also makes is something i think that takes this album over the edge yeah i think with this album especially i mean like I, I, I said earlier how I thought it's pretty similar to Discovery. I think the big difference is this seems more orchestrated. Like I, like you can see like the many different parts that go into this album compared to that of Discovery and their earlier stuff. I, I kind of just noticed it, but you do have like, you got four songs in the middle, just Williams. They got, they got a Williams feature. That's kind of cool. Three. Well, yeah. Paul Williams is also on Beyond. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, word. So, like so, you have the, you have the rising action, mm-hmm. the height of the rising action with instant crush, the Williams middle, and then the, the mm-hmm. falling action with uh, motherboard, and then down to contact. You know, 
It's yeah. kind of cool. You got the Williams Mill. <laughs> kind of cool. Uh, the other thing that's cool looking at like the album themes of the album is like <clears throat> these are kind of like typical that punk themes of the lyrics, which I love. But it's like they're they're mixed between talking about like love of music in a lot of the themes and dan- pure dancing and then uh, kind of human interaction love, I guess you could call it like romantic love. Uh, and I think that's such a I think it's such a classic like. It's such a great Daft Punk, keep it simple, stupid kind of like approach to uh, their music and their lyrics, uh, which is what I like in a lot of their songs is kind of keep it simple, stupid. But the way I look at it, and I said it earlier on the podcast, is that they are here. Each song is supposed to make you feel a way. And their entire goal is to make you feel that way. And they set that mood. Some type of way. (laughs) Some type of way. Exactly. Mr. CEO. Is what my title says. That's definitely not something that's new for them. Like they, they they like to tell stories like exactly they have for discovery they have a whole anime movie that is paired up with it Ooh. called interstellar 5555 don't even get and, me started on interstellar 555 and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, um human after all was supposed to be um was supposed to be the soundtrack of their movie uh uh what is it Elect- electroma like the, the another that um. movie that came out it ended up not being but like it was another story about Daft Punk, the robots, it's like the Daft Punk robots living in a world of other robots. Um, and it's just like, like they like to tell stories like that, and it just, it's fitting that, you know, they continue to do that throughout this this album. Yeah, it's Daft Punk's Electroma 2006. It was what they were trying to make? Yeah. Oh. Which is like, I think they're like, it's like, they're like kind of in it. I'm trying to think of the, there's like a famous, yeah. the famous music video with them. The, the, uh, what, I think I don't know. Weird. I don't know the video. They, I think they took parts of the video and put it in like a music video for Human After All. Yeah, no, it's, hu- it's Human After Human After All. I'm pretty sure is like one of their like more yeah. famous music videos, and that's saying something because like that's almost that's one of the things like they're kind of known with is ma- I mean because it shows in their live 0607 is how good they are with mashing up the visual with the music, and like I think sure. yeah. I think honestly, I mean. Discovery is my favorite Daft Punk album, uh, yeah. and I think a lot of it is the Interstellar Five Five Five. Is just like it's such a cool movie, and it's such a cool idea that they had. I think when they did it, and I, I really enjoy watching it as like one watching the movie together because there's no words in the movie. It's just it's pretty much just like a bunch of music videos put together, and when they're all together, it's a story. Like so, it's, it's I think yeah. it's really enjoyable to watch all the way through couple highlights from that and i think that they just do such a good job with combining both aspects and making it into one another thing about visuals is uh around the world music video yeah yeah exactly yeah. classic where each each group of people is a different like tone repetitive like baseline or or uh, melody that's going on like the <laughs> like one group of people is like doing their movements to that one sound mm-hmm. and it's all synced up and you just see this movement of people. It's all just happening as you listen to the movement of the sound. Yeah. You got the people that bending their knees to the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like, it's, it is. I mean, yeah, like they started with that. Uh, that's one of the most well, famous music videos. I mean, and that's just like, that was the first time the robot was ever imaged. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and it wasn't them, but it was, 
was the first time we used a robot. Ooh. After that, they were the robots. Yeah, and that was obviously, I think, it, I think around the world was the one, their first big single that kind of took them into mainstream yeah. uh, success. It was awful. Uh, uh, homework, I believe. Yeah, it's like But like this, this kind of goes back to my point where I was like comparing them to Banksy, but they really are performance artists in the true sense of the word, where they care about, like we said, audio, the visual, the like kind of the promotion, the everything around being an artist, they kind of exemplify, which is what makes it so much fun to follow them. It's just like, and this would obviously go out the window if they didn't have good music, but they have good music. They shown, like we said, they could make an album of get luckies if they wanted to. Um, but they choose to do this like groundbreaking album and like they pair it with such an acute knowledge of, uh, how to pair the audio with the visual and how to, uh, I don't know how to, like I said, get these, like you said, Ryan, get these stories told. And it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's beautiful. I mean, it's like, it's stuff, it's, it's stuff that you think like belongs in a museum, like this kind of like their, their, their attention and their care to these subjects. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because they've been doing it since they started with homework. I mean, and around the world they did it then one more time is also a very famous music video. It's the start of the movie. It's the interstellar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The start of the movie of interstellar. It's the, it's the opening of the album. Phenomenal. Probably. One of the best, gotta say, opening songs in my opinion of the <laughs> album. Because I mean, it started out with one more time. Yeah, that's just a banger. No way, it gets you going. It, it really does. It gets you in the mood, you know. But I mean, and then, I mean, the music video to "Get Lucky." I don't know if it was as famous, but it's a very cool music video if you've never seen it. Very interesting. To watch. Is it with them in the Horizon? Yeah, it's with them the Horizon. Yeah, that was got, classic. You got Nile Rodgers just like playing on like the clear guitar, which yeah. is just so cool. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you talked about the um, uh, around the world being their first foray into the robots. Um, obviously, I think they had been I think they had been like in the French club scene for the past kind of decade, like the late eighties, nineties. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they kind of had the robot imagery kind of come up, and obviously had such an influence on them where they're like, "No, we're we're going to roll with this." Uh, that's one of my favorite things about them is whenever they talk about like it's just so fun thinking about the idea of. They're these robots, which you think of as unfeeling kind of uh, mechanical, artificial things, but that just love talking about human romantic love and music that hits your soul and stuff like that. So it's like obviously exemplified in their famous song Robot Rock, (laughs) which just sounds like if a bunch of robots got in like a 70s cover band and decided to start jamming. Yeah, a garage band and and they started jamming out. I'm sorry. I I don't – I think they're most – Honestly, I keep on mentioning the music videos, but I didn't mention Defunk. And okay, yeah. Defunk is like I think a really good example of that as well because like if you if you've ever seen a music video, it's about this like dog man who's just like running. Who directed that again? What? It was up in Harlem. Who directed that again? Um, um it was let me director. See. Spike Jones. Spike oh, Jones. Of course. Spike Jones. Yeah, he, he directs it. It's in Harlem. It's like in New. It's like in New York. This guy, he's just got. He's carrying around the boombox the entire time. This like dog man. And he's got a cast on his leg. Yeah, exactly. And you like and you, it's this around. this really sad image. Like you'd see it and you're like, oh, that looks so sad. Mm-hmm. Like because he's getting like 
he's, I mean, he like tries to buy a book and they're like, turn off that music, turn off that music. Yeah. And like, they're, he's like getting pushed around and like, yeah. he gets like by like people walking around the street and like, you just find yourself like, like rooting for this dog, man. And, <laughs> and it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. I really highly recommend anybody to watch it. Spike Jones is another one of those guys that just makes cool things. Yeah, exactly. It's super cool. And then like, the, like the final scene is like him, like trying to get on a bus and like the dog's freaking out. Cause the guy won't let him on the bus with his boom box. Yeah. And he can't turn off the boom box. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a really cool music video, Spike Jones. And it really just shows that like, yes, they're, they're these robots, but like they, they, they write about this like human stuff and human love and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they have these image of robots, but like, that's not really because they're electronic music, but their electronic music means more than that. And their time and, and their music is their music and their themes are so timeless that they, they can keep going to the well in these kind of stories and these themes and putting new spins on. And which is why, like when you do hear some, I think it's like, it is like the perfect confluence, the fact that they don't put out a lot of music. And then when you get something like, I'm going to come back to like within and game of love. Those are like two like slow ones when they're talking about love, which are, I, I love it. I love, which I really enjoy listening to at the beginning of the album, two of my favorites. Um, and it's just like, it's the, it's the fact that like, like I said, they don't have a lot of output that like you hear them put a new spin on this theme of love and kind of forlorn love that you just get addicted to. And it just, it, it's, this is really, I really want to start singing with them, but I know I would do it terribly justice, but I would do it no justice. Um, but it, 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 Daft Punk as artists, they leave you wanting more and more from these like simple, from these universal simple themes. I, I got, I have to correct myself. And yeah. So I have a quote from Tom, Tomas Bangalter about the defunct music video. Yeah. And he goes, there's no story. It's just a man dog walking with a ghetto blaster in New York. The rest is me not meant to say anything. People are trying to explain it. Is it about human tolerance, integration, urbanism? There's really no message. There'll be a sequel someday. <laughs> like, so, like, I mean, this is perfect. <laughs> like, I think that's hilarious because, like, you apparently, like, like pretty much what I was trying to do, people were like trying to like, what's the meaning of this? What's yeah. going on? And it's just like, it's just about a dog, man, you know? So uh, I think that's just kind of funny. Another thing we have. just struggling yeah. a bit, but he likes to jam out. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing, 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 nothing special about nothing it. Nothing to know? see here. <laughs> just a dog man in a cast. Just, nothing to see just here. Just your anthropomorphic dog in a leg cast. <laughs> uh, but I think that's another, another. Yeah, that's what he says about. Yeah, the funk music video. What is he? What do you think he'd say about this podcast? Though? Oh, oh uh, he probably would like it. <laughs> I don't care. It's no, a catch. He definitely wouldn't like it. <laughs> it's a catch twenty two though. Like, no, wrong. Because if Daft Punk is listening, if, if Tomas is listening to our podcast, I don't care what he thinks. That's yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so. <laughs> and, and if he is listening and he, he does have a problem. Tom, Tomas, is that your name? You, you French bastard. <laughs> Frenchie. I'm calling you out now. Exactly. We, we will pull no punches on the podcast, yeah. even if it's someone we're discussing. Yeah. And so much, someone we have appreciation for and the highest, uh, most respect. Still scrap. Yeah. I'll, yeah I'll, if you come at me, you know. Yeah. Get ready. We'll said it before. I'll, I'll push my thumb through your eyes. <laughs> like, I will. <laughs> um, but I think that is like a side effect of bringing it back to kind of the point of the music video. That is a side effect of great art. It's that like when these guys like are clearly put out such great stuff, like there is going to be so much people are going to try and search for meaning in so many things because 
like you said, Ryan, they're perfectionists. They think about everything. So why wouldn't they think about everything in the music video of Defunk? Um, so which is like, like looking at the background props in a Stanley Kubrick film. It's like exactly. It's like what what room number are they in? Why does this tell about uh, the moon landing? Like, I mean, Will's favorite film, two thousand one. Why space is there Odyssey? a Calumet can behind him? <laughs> exactly. Why is it slightly turned in, in this scene? <laughs> exactly. Like where? What, how is this hinting to the sound studio in Burbank where they filmed Apollo Eleven? Like exactly. Uh, yeah, so like you would be when you are such a great artist and such a thoughtful artist, there is such room for interpretation. Also, because these guys like to be secretive, it also makes it so much cooler. Like that's part of the fun of it is like injecting your own life into this kind of your own interpretations into these like into these works of art. And uh, it's something that obviously like one of the most famous examples, or at least that I'm thinking of, is the Beatles. Uh, when they were in the, in the mid sixties, when they had kind of reached their commercial and critical peaks or one of their commercial and critical peaks, they started being taught at universities about their lyricism and their music style. Uh, so John Lennon heard about that. So he's like, okay, I'm going to make this song called I am the walrus and I'm going to fill it with a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my mom was actually talking about uh, David Bowie used to, for some of his lyrics during the eighties and some of his albums, he would come up with his lyrics from computer generators like early computers would just je- out- output the like gener- people who want to find like deeper meaning exactly yeah. yeah it was just like or i don't know i don't know if bowie did it as much to mess with people as it was just a cool experiment yeah. uh, lennon definitely did it to mess with people uh john lennon yeah, the beatles <laughs> um but i think that's like that's just one of those that's one of those characteristics you find of great artists is like searching for meaning yeah i mean i think well i mean a lot of the times People, when people hear good music, to make it great, a lot of times people make a story out of it. You know, exactly. they try to make. I mean, it's a, a lot of time. It's what happens with music. You make music better by adding a story to. It. You add another layer to it. Add something like that, and it's cool to see how these artists react to like people. Because sometimes they do. They're just like they're making music. Sometimes it is just as simple as that. They're making a music video, but like, I know, it's but cool. it's way like, more fun. To think it's, it is. It's way more fun. I'm but I mean like, and I think a lot, little Monday thing is like the Rick and Morty episodes that like people try to add just like way more meaning to it than they actually are. Sure. Cause like, cause that's, I mean, cause they sort of like have fun with that. Like trying to like mess Easter with eggs. Them. Yeah. Easter eggs, brain Fox stuff like that. So I mean like, I think that's a little modern day thing, but they do. They, it's it's always fun to add a story to something to make it like deeper than it may actually be. Totally. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's like that's that's what we're doing. Like on the podcast, especially, is like talking about our favorite works of art and injecting not only like interpretations, but like when you talk about like injecting a story to it, that could be like what you think the piece of art the story it's telling but it also could be the story around you like coming into contact with it like whether it's a movie you like like when you first saw it an album where you first heard it you know a piece of art where you first saw it like all these things like that's part of that 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 kind of narrative structure of art is what i mean that's why that's that's why we get yeah art's better when you can make it about yourself like (laughs) as simple as that oh yeah exactly there's like well that's like why why did like the punk movement like take off and stuff like that because they're just like no this like speaks to me and stuff like that why are teen movies a thing you know teen movies yeah exactly (laughs) exactly Exactly. like 
like Blink-182 understands me more than my parents can, you know? <laughs> that's, that's exactly. as simple as that. How, how the hell are my parents supposed to understand me like Paramore does? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. Misery business, you know, <laughs> act my age. Really know, like, Did I show you the tweet? Uh, I think Russian I showed Ryan, but it was a great, like, tweet where it was just, like, um, it was uh, Fallout Boy and Fallout Boy's manager, and it's a tweet, and it's, like, Fallout Boy's manager. It's just, like, have you seen the new, have you seen <laughs> the new, um, uh, <laughs> Panic at the Disco album, and then Fallout Boy is like, "Oh no, how many words are in the title?" And then, and then the manager is, "How much time do you have?" And Fallout Boy is just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> oh, I write tragedies. I write sins, not tragedies. They're just like, "How much time do you have?" <laughs> it's like. Dancing is like the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. Like, is that another? I, I think it is. <laughs> Fallout Boy, uh, famous residence Wilmette, Illinois, uh, and uh, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, <laughs> taking her pants off. <laughs> like, that's a phenomenal. Is that Fallout Boy or a panic? It's a panic. I feel like the classic. The classic. Get out of my room, mom. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like. Panic is more of the super long names. I don't Is there any... I think, like, Thanks for the Memories is a long title. Is it... Wait, is that not the name? No, but it's, like, Memories, like, anyways, I don't know. It's it's just a funny trope. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Pete Wentz. Pete Wentz. Pete Wentz. Yeah, yeah. The bassist and lead singer. No, he's not the lead singer. Isn't he? Patrick Stump is Is is, is, Is Pete Wentz the guy who writes the songs, though? Pete Wentz is, like, the... Pete Wentz is like the important one. He's the main songwriter. Kim Kardashian. Wait, what? No, he didn't. Look it up. I'm pretty sure. Pete, or she at least was in a music video or something. That's what? That's way different. Well, like they were together in the music video. Jesus, John. Research department. Nothing to say about this. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're leaving John on an island here, Ryan. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, let the okay. So you guys have fun. Today, today, Pete Wentz and Kim Kardashian made out in the uh, Thanks for the Memories music video. Oh, okay. okay. Cool. One more time. <laughs> well met Illinois, you know? I mean, and then Patrick Patrick Stump's the lead singer. He's from Evanston. He's also, yeah, he's also from North Shore. Uh, anyways, bring it back. Uh, well, this, this digression was just about how, like, you want to feel with like art, like you want to yeah, art you want to connect. You want to connect the art that you are either that you're listening to, looking at, watching, whatever you want to see. Yeah, and what's better than like, like I said, the, the Daft Punk themes, of getting your ass on the dance floor, yeah. and um, and uh, romantic love. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think like you, you can go. What were you I was going to say like the amount of like stuff that they have about love. I mean. A lot of their songs just have love in the name, like digital yeah. love. I mean, game of love, game of love, stuff like that. Instant crush. Yeah, I love it's it. a lot about love. Did shout out digital love, best song off of Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Off of Discovery, <laughs> in my great. in my opinion. You see this? Okay, we come out. We're bunny heads at the beginning, but by the end, <laughs> yeah, we are in agreement. Digital love, best song in Discovery. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Like it, you know, it's 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 honestly. Like last night, I had a dream. Oh yeah, about obviously. You. Like, well, oh, it's so good. It's I mean, so good. I am partial to um uh, something about us. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I'm just partial to that one. I think Digital Love is also great. Digital Love is a classic song, but something about us is just like that's the classic kind of simple disco <laughs> beat. See the right, right time. Um, Ryan, have you have you have you seen the movie Interstellar five 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 five? Yeah. Okay. Like so. Like, do you have like a favorite? Uh, 
I, is is because that's like also probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is the digital love part of the movie. Well, yes, I mean that that's what solidified it as my favorite. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's you, you have to watch it. It's like it's, the guy that's like vacuuming the outside of his starship and then he yes. goes inside and he's like daydreaming about the lead singer of this band or the bassist of this band and then like they he finds out they got abducted and then he goes to save them. Yeah, it, oh, it, it's so, it's so sick. I mean, it's the, I think it's the I mean, like I said, the earlier part of the movie where it's um, one more time is phenomenal music video part. I mean, the very I love the. I love the I love the uh, aerodynamic digital love to harder, better, faster, stronger. Yes. How it's all just basically no no cut between the two, the three songs. It just one leads right into the next. It's uh, almost just like one song. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. And then I, I mean I'll, I can talk about discovery. Uh, probably more than I can about Random right Access Memories, but yeah, just the start of that one more time. Then you have those three songs: aerodynamic, digital love. Harder, better, faster, stronger, and you just you never let up because you also have crescendals, which is phenomenal. Something about us. I'm partial to random access memories, but like we could talk about discovery, like all discovery. You mean other podcasts? Discovery's awesome. Like you said, the visual medium with Interstellar five 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 also uh, kind of takes that over the edge, and uh, just a great another great kind of like journey of an album. Yeah, I mean, I think for me. <clears throat> like Discovery, I think starts off better than Random Access Memories. I think Random Access Memories as a whole does a better job of like a complete album. Because I think you look at Discovery, I think it's very top heavy with its songs. I think, I mean, like we talked about earlier, you start when you your first four because the first four songs are, I believe, the singles of the album. Yeah, one more time. Aerodynamic, digital love, harder, better, faster, stronger are like they start off with those so four songs and those are four of the singles on the album but mm-hmm. I, I still I, as i said the first four songs i listened to on repeat when i got in the death punk <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly it's so cool yes. it's such a cool it's such a cool like death punk obviously harder better faster stronger probably comes into a lot of people's minds because like we talked about it kanye west like even for me i i I'm very similar to Ryan, and like I think I definitely got into Daft Punk from Stronger because that song was just everywhere. An interesting thing is like I've talked to this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. My generation, I always ask people, "Hey, what's the first song that you downloaded on iTunes and you bought?" Um, and a lot of people said "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger" is the first song they ever downloaded uh, or bought on iTunes. What, do you, John? Why are you smiling? Because <laughs> I'm remembering my first, uh, which is. Um, let me make sure by the artist. I know the song. It is Cyclone by Baby, Baby Bash Bad. featuring T-Pain. Oh, that's a great <laughs> that song. That was my first song. I remember it like it was yesterday. I went up to like, because like our mom was like in trouble of our like iTunes when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah, I remember like going out to my mom like, I need this song. <laughs> I, I need this song. Radio. And she was just like, are you sure you want this song? This one. Like, like, do you, like, because I have no, because I'm just listening to it for, for the song. I have no clue that Cyclone is what is meaning, you know, throwing your ass in a circle pretty much, you know. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, I'm just like, oh, that's so sick. That's such a cool and song. And you were probably like 10. Yeah, I was like 10. I had no clue what was well, going on. younger <laughs> Yeah, I had no clue what was going on with this song. But, you know, <laughs> I loved it and I needed it, you know? Um, the first song I unabashedly always tell people, almost like pretend that, like, is a source of pride. First song I ever downloaded, same era, because that's when we all kind of got iTunes accounts, but same era. First song I ever bought was uh, Bad Romance. Oh, by Lady Gaga. By Lady nice. Gaga. Brian, do you remember? It's, uh, it's tough because, like... 
So the moment I started listening to all this like electronic music, my brother Matt was in boarding school at, mm. uh, at Taft, and there he introduced me to one of um, his buddies who did a senior project there, where it was just a music blog. Mm. And this was like right when SoundCloud came out, and it was a lot of free download stuff. That's so cool. And he showed me that it was like Camelback music, and it was this guy's senior project. It blew up for like two years. Wow. And it was like main main place to get like dance music, new and new dance music, um, a lot of free download stuff. And that's where I started downloading a lot of like the electronic music that I listened to mm-hmm. through there. Um, and and then like from there, I would find places to, to download free MP3s. So I just had free MP3s all the time. Um, like I really didn't buy much, mm-hmm. um, but I vividly remember buying one song. And that was um, Magic Power by Triumph. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was, I heard it on the radio. I went to the, because my parents, like, that's like what I listened to before listening to like rock music, was just like all 80s, 70s and 80s rock. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I didn't listen to anything else. My mom's always just like, yeah, he was born in the wrong decade. Like, (laughs) I I don't know what's, what's up with our son. Like, he doesn't listen to any of the modern, modern songs. Like, he literally puts on, our playlist, which is all the seventies and eighties rock songs, and good. and I heard Magic Power by Tram on the radio, and I'm just like, oh, oh I like this song. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Went to the computer, looked it up. We didn't have it, so I'm like, Mom, Dad, I'm buying the song, and they're like, Yes, buy it because I like that song too. Like, wow, there we go. That's, that's awesome. That's that's a phenomenal first song. That's too. an awesome. I, think, I like how the difference in all three of our first songs too. Like those are three very different songs. Oh yeah. Um, well, you kind of have the other thing was is that my brother Brendan also bought all the like current pop songs okay, yeah. on the radio. He bought all those, so I never had to. Ah, uh, I see. But uh, and then I got into illegally downloading stuff. <laughs> I think. Well, like, I just said two points. I, I want to point out my second song. You know, I'm a little bit of a music geek. Was Chicago by Sufjan Stevens? So you know, uh, that's. I just got to show that my. You know, wait, what? Yeah, and you're like whatever. I, I was very young. I heard it on the radio and I loved it. Sufjan Stevens, big fan of his. Just, just showed my you know high class and music taste from a young age. Next, get to your next. But I think point. it's such a. I think. I mean, it's interesting because we're talking about EDM house music, and I think such a crucial part of it is SoundCloud. But we're talking about the one band that you like don't use SoundCloud to like really use for the EDM. Because okay. I know, like, okay. I think I, I think I'm spe- I can speak for Will, but at least for me, like when I first got into EDM music, like big, which was probably around my sophomore year, high school, maybe a little bit earlier than that. It was going on SoundCloud and like finding the different like flume disclosure, like different types of songs through there. Well, I think besides, uh, the two names we always talk about, Skrillex and Dead Mouse. I think besides them, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, SoundCloud was huge for finding electronic artists before it kind of transitioned to being more rap-centric, right? yeah. where it is kind of, I guess, more now. Like, the idea of the quote-unquote SoundCloud. Like mixtape yeah. rapper. Yeah, the idea trap of music. the trap music, the idea yeah. of the SoundCloud rapper is something that was kind of 2015 on, kind you of know, that's, big. That's got to be like yeah. Chief Keith. You know? Before that, it was all electronic, and it was like original work. That's where people would get out and get their music out there for other people to listen to. And like, if you knew you liked this type of music, you knew to go to SoundCloud and that's how a lot of people branched out. And that's honestly, I think one way it became our super saturated market is because yeah. it's just like SoundCloud was the a really easy way to get out there. It was as, as like it is now, like a lot of mixtapes and, and trap trap artists 
then it was just a lot of electronic music. Yeah, and, and there's... And then, a, quickly, yeah. it was just like, well, I can do that. And then it just became saturated. Yeah, and there's arguments to be had of why that's good and bad. Good because there's no barrier for entry for great musicians. So if someone is great out there, you will find them. Um, you know, bad because, like you said, there definitely is market saturation. Uh, but I, and I, I think like I think good and bad labels aren't the way to kind of approach this. And just like it's just the way music from I think the way I look at it is the way music changed. Um, and it, that has good and bad aspects to it. Yeah. Uh, but like you, you're definitely spot on. Like you said, Ryan, you're just like, oh, I'm into that. I want to do that. And like I said, like Daft Punk being so big uh, and being an influence, like came around just at the right time where those kind of the access to being able to share your music became big. Uh, so it was yeah. there were a, there were a lot of great kind of factors in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of reminiscing on my old like iTunes I, songs. Well, like well, it's just the old iTunes songs, but also just like I remember just like grinding away on SoundCloud, like freshman sophomore year high school, Jeez. like trying well, just trying to find like EDM songs. Yeah, because like I mean, just like me and my friends, like we all thought it was like so cool that like on SoundCloud, like finding the like finding that EDM song that like you could play, like that everybody liked. I just I, I'm remembering the quicks now. I just use Spotify pretty much. Oh, yeah. For just that's just how I listen to music now, and sure. I just remember I listened to it back then when I didn't have premium. It was just like f- the different ways that you go through to try and listen to and find music. Sure, yeah. Also, big thing was that I think this was a little bit late, like you when you were in freshman sophomore years, a little later than what I'm talking. But yeah. the kind of era of the mashup um, was yeah. huge when I was oh. like a freshman in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. I caught on a little late to that. I was like eighth grade like yeah, the, freshman year for me as well. I remember how many kids mashups there were. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, kids. But kids was the Back classic. Then, it was yeah. just so easy to, yes. What, what other song kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember, I remember the big one was the chitty bang. Well, yeah, that was like, that adults. was, that was, that was like a famous kind of actual yeah. produced one, but I was thinking one of my favorite ones, but one of my favorite ones is a great one that was a sleepyhead background mixtape with sleepyhead Wale, Eminem, I think Kanye and Lupe. Uh, yeah. I remember my uh, like probably I probably wouldn't like the song now, but there's one mashup between Feel Good Inc. Yeah, <laughs> and Heard It Through the Grapevine. <laughs> I just jammed out to for like an entire summer, like my freshman year is phenomenal. When we do when we do a whole podcast on a mashups, uh, Ryan, we're gonna get Zach Larry Cohen on the podcast. King oh of, my god, perfect! The king of the mashup. Uh, I I was never into mashups. Um, I liked mixes, mm-hmm. but not mashups. I thought mashups just like there's only one mashup I like, and that's Pop Culture by Maddion. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you like Maddion a lot, obviously. I like Maddion a lot. Um, that 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 definitely checks out. Um, yeah, it's I mean, a different type of backup where it's like you're taking like literally a half a second soundbite from like 50 different songs and putting it together to make a full new sound. Yeah. Versus like a mashup where you're taking like five seconds and then mashing up with another five seconds on um, this song with the, the background of this song. It's like yeah. a little different. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that uh, I wouldn't say like I was like I'm in love with them and stuff like that, but I just remember it being a moment, uh, and I just remember. Uh, I don't know. I remember finding my favorites and stuff like that. And it definitely was a moment in time where for like, where that was a huge thing, YouTube mashup. So I, the other one I have to totally shout out is um, party and bullshit in the USA, which is a biggie um, and uh, Miley Cyrus yeah, mashup, which is that. one. Yeah. That's my favorite. I'll still play that today. I unabashedly love that song. That is, 
I, I even remember, like, I, it's going through my head. Right I now. was a terror oh, since the public school era. Gosh, Bathroom yeah. classes, cut, uh, what's cutting classes, squeezing asses. That's, oh, God. That, that was, I mean, I think that was classic, you know. Classic I mean, mashup. Well, mashing up Biggie, especially. Like, well, yeah, obviously. Matoma. Matoma. Well, back is probably, oh, that's, that's a phenomenal song. Yeah, yeah. that's more of a mashup. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of a mashup. Cause it's, it's kind Biggie, of a mashup, it's Biggie, yeah. Ja Rule. Yeah, 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 but I would call it. I would call that like a little more on the mix side, just like a remix right, of the song. Right. But yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely inspired by that kind of Biggie mashup. Like people just found out in like 2010s, like wait, like you put Biggie Smalls over any music <laughs> and it bumps. Well, it's like um, you, absolutely. You have that. You have like I'm trying to think of like the classic Drake song that they put out for everything. You're out of like fine. Give me a second. Mm-hmm. All right. Trying to think. You think we'll ever have a podcast on the Tootsie slide or whatever? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I've, I'm going to be honest, I've never really seen Over by Drake. Oh, okay. And like the classic, like, May, first rap verse of that, I remember hearing that over so many EDM songs, like listening to like like those highlight videos on like Instagram. And, yeah, like, and, like, hoop mixtape. Hoop mixtape, exactly. Yeah, it's classic. All right. Uh, before we delve deeper into this uh, this tangent of mashups and, uh, yeah. and music from really ten years hole. ago <laughs> in a rabbit hole into foxhole, um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, we're going to uh, do. We're going to turn things around and we're going to finish up and talk about uh, favorite songs as we do on the podcast. Favorite scenes, favorite episodes, favorite moments yeah. for an album. It's like our song. audience's favorite part of the episode. <laughs> it is. We've gotten great it's feedback. Fan favorite. It's a fan favorite. Feedback. Yeah, feedback, of course. <laughs> exactly, and you know how much I love. Uh, oh, you love good feedback. feedback. <laughs> yes, uh, instant feedback. This is where we've gotten great feedback on this feedback. on yeah. this uh, on this section of the podcast on this uh, segment. Um, and as usual, which I guess now is our tradition, we're going to start off with the guests go first. Uh, so, Ryan, uh, what is your favorite song off of Random Access Memories? I uh, gotta go with Giorgio by Marauder. Um, one, I just, I have an affinity for long songs. Yeah. Um, I like, like, my favorite Pink Floyd song is a 17-minute song. <laughs> like, I just love to just like listen to a song and just become immersed in it for just a good extended period of time. This is the longest song on the album. Of the 60s, of the 70s, and then have a sound of the future. And I said, wait a second, I know the synthesizer. Why don't I use the synthesizer, which is the sound of the future? And I didn't have any idea what to do, but I knew I needed a click. So we put a click on the 24 track which then was synced to the Moog modular. I knew that could be a sound of the future, but I didn't realize how much the impact would be. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. Um, it, it, you know, it starts off for a minute of a guy talking. Uh, <laughs> Somehow it works. Like, you know, it's an album of music, but for the first minute and a half of the song, it's a man just talking. And then he talks, he's just like, and I was just like, yeah, so like when I started making music, I put that click on the 24 track and synced it up to the mode module. It's just like, all right, and boom, song starts. It's like, you hear that click going, and then you hear the, then it just drops like, bum, 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 And then it just like, it's just a really good, like, 
song just to like groove to and, and it just it really just uh i think it i think it goes to like a progression it goes from like a funky to like a like more of like a i think it goes through the decades i think it goes yeah. from like a funky in like the 70s disco it's more of like a like a rock you got that the the guitar going and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it gets into like a really techno-y um sound near the near the end where it's like more electronic and then it just ends off back with the click and it's just like you know that's what it's all about it's like putting that click getting everything started and from there, music just progresses yeah. from one thing to the, to the next thing, evolving over time. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, throughout those things that they recorded the start to the end on different microphones. So yeah. maybe, like, if you listen to it a little bit closer, like, you can maybe hear a difference from the start to the end. I don't know. Daft Punk probably could. <laughs> um, but I, I just think, like, you know, it, it's it's a song. It's like a story in its own. Like you got the story at the beginning, but the song is a story of its own. Um, really just enjoy listening to it. Have, have some really good memories bumping that in 19 basement. Um, yeah. Like just, just a great song. You're driving to this song a lot. Yeah. This was the one song like, you know, when this album came out was the first summer that I had my full license where I could, oh. you know, pass like that block and, you know, go meet up with friends and stuff like that. And so, Obviously, this album was on the car every single night, and this song was played without a doubt. Wow! Yeah, I uh, I particularly I love the part where you like talking about the click and the and the move modulator, talking about bringing in the synthesizers. Awesome! Uh, uh, obviously, I do the synthesizer with the sound of the future. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's it's just the it's just the combination of him talking him like his like talking about music breaking it down uh the music interplaying with the breakdown also just the fact that you're like they're talking to their an idol the, a living legend and just like legend yeah legend. it's just it is such a like i said legend like it's a legendary song and uh and I, I like that you bring up your affinity for uh, longer songs ryan noted fan of 2112 and all of rush's discography <laughs> oh uh, yeah gosh. Yes. Meth. Slap of the bass. Slap of the bass. Yeah, obviously. No slap of the bass. Why is that? Because when you play the bass, you keep it down low. But when you play the air bass, you bring it up. You bring yeah, you it got up the here. album you know, up you here. Bring it up here. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think. I mean, it's a really enjoyable song. I'm honestly not one for super long songs, but like this is actually like I really like this song. It's fun. I, th- I mean. I really didn't know who Giorgio Morador was until like I heard this song and yeah. like just like looking at the background around him, I think it's like a very like the song suits like having his name attached to it because I mean I I mean I'm just like looking at him right now. I mean he started a music that a, mustache though. No, he's got a phenomenal mustache. mustache. He started a musical studios like his thing the form called Musicland Studios and you look at the bands that have been a part of it the Stones Electric Light Orchestra Led Zeppelin Deep Purple Queen Elton John he's he's dubbed the father of disco decent yeah. west so, decent yeah. west decent <laughs> west heard of them you know exactly but, I mean, but so i mean i, think I like their older stuff it is it, it is it's, i mean it's it is just like a whole 
honestly like an orchestra and one song for them in this one there's something about those disco and those house legends that i just love like also guys like carl cox famous house legend who's been in the scene for the past like 40 years and now still tours today with carl cox presents where he's got all these like uh burgeoning house artists that he brings along with them there's something about those guys that's just so legendary where it's just like these guys made their metal just living in the clubs and mixing for people that didn't know who they were but just loved like grinding to their beats and there's like obviously like new york is a prime example of the cool hip underground techno scene or techno or not techno but disco scene and chicago chicago yeah, house is say, famous like, well yeah, I, I missed it. i mixed up disco and techno come on um, talking about house chicago being such a, a part of the grunge acid house scene of the late 80s early 90s uh and giorgio morador is one of those legends it's just uh, th- uh, those disco house guys that just like i say made they they made it by spinning like vinyl and like spinning records i, I think it's so he, cool he he i mean Doing it for the love of the game. For the yeah. love of the game. Love the so, game. So, so true. You know, I mean, the term, you know, father of disco is not a term that gets thrown, thrown around. around. They don't yeah. just hand that out. <laughs> like, I mean, like you said, so like, they don't just hand that out. And then Chicago, obviously, the birthplace of house. I mean, it's like all these great things. It's really cool to see it all mashed up. Totally, totally, totally. All right, John, I'll give you the honors of going next. Yeah, you go next. Me go next? You go next. Fine, go, I, I, like to, I, I like the pressure of going last. Well, well, I think I said last time, but throw on Hell's Bells. We got the closer coming in. <laughs> I'm wild thing. Oh, you're a wild thing? I'm more of a wild thing. You're more of a Ricky Vaughn? Yeah, you know. Then a Mariano Rivera. I walk everything. I walk at, what's, uh, what did Hoffman come out to? Trevor Hoffman. Um, he he um, came out to uh, he came out to look research department. Look it up. He came out to like another. No, he came out to Hell's Bells. Well. Who did Mario Rivera come out? Mario Rivera came out to Enter Sandman. Yeah. Sorry, Enter Sandman. Uh, literally search up Mo Rivera first thing. Mo Rivera Cutter. Mo, Mo Rivera, Rivera Enter Sandman. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'll go, yeah. and then you can Enter Sandman. Close it out as yeah. uh, forty two. <laughs> Uh, my favorite song uh, it's I wouldn't call it an obvious one because but it's one of the singles uh, my favorite song Instant Crush like Instant Crush is just an insane song uh, I think before or when we were off air Ryan you were talking about whether or not going with Giorgio or Instant Crush uh, even if you went with Instant Crush as your favorite song I also would have repeated it as my favorite song just because I, I love that song so much uh, Casablanca does a great job uh, it's a part of that like home stretch part of the album where it just heats up and it's all up tempo and it like follows a bunch of heaters of songs but it's the beat i think that it's i think the lyrics personally are what may throw it over the edge and just uh casablanca's vocals are incredible the way they auto-tune and modulate his voice so that you can hear it's julian casablanca's but it's clearly digitized is so incredibly well done that it's like that should be shown as a master exactly that should be like a 101 auto-tuning class any artist should just listen to that song and how it just takes it over the edge. I mean, like we talked about in the age of the SoundCloud rapper, there is a lot of auto-tuning and modulating voices done, and it's done but well. It's not so, good. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I was softening that <laughs> statement, right? But it's like sometimes it's done well, but other times it's done like crap, like you said. It's not good, but that is just perfect. And I think it's very important. And I think it's really cool to look at that song, especially because Julian Casablanca has such an iconic voice, especially. Yeah. Like you like he has a voice that you don't need to modulate for and you don't need to, but they do just such a great job with it. And it's, it really is just, I mean, 
I, I was probably going to say that was my favorite song too. So that's kind of <laughs> cool as well. But yeah. Uh, yes. And like you said, I think that another, th- like Daft Punk do this a couple times. They release remixes every now where they just like touch up some songs. Like they did a great one with take me out a couple of years ago. Uh, I want to say like 2015 where they just touched it up slightly. France Ferdinand. Yeah. France Ferdinand's take me out. They did it where they just gave it a little bit of like, a, they threw a little Daft Punk, pixie dust on it yeah. um and it, it was great and they do the same thing with casablanca's vocals here awesome song great lyrics it gives you that kind of yearning it's the same way within is kind of crooning like it's so fitting that within goes into instant crush um because within is that crooning slow ballad whereas instant crush takes it up another notch gets in that same kind it's it evokes that same kind of feeling out of me but in for some reason in, in like a totally different way uh love it everything about it i think that the percussion on it is so incredibly tight and i know i've got called out for one of my other superlatives but that guitar solo is something else it's what is it? it's probably like 15 seconds but that guitar solo is so incredibly precise and tight that i just love it Nail on the head. Nail on the head. So I guess my turn. Yeah, it is your turn. You were the one who wanted to go last. Yeah, I want to go last, and I still have it. But I mean, like I said, uh, there's a couple that come to mind. Instant Crush, obviously. I'm a sucker for a Julian Casablanca's feature. (laughs) He's phenomenal. His voice, iconic, like I said. But since that's off the boards, I'm 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 gonna go two instead of one. I'm gonna go the Pharrell Williams Nile Rogers duo on Lose yourself to dance and get lucky. I think you can't go through this album. I, I think it'd be an injustice to not put get lucky on one of our favorite songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cause you know, it's, it, it was the song of the summer. It, it really was. Summer. It was the song of the summer. It's so good. I mean, the guitar line, everything about the song, the, like the constant guitar throughout all six minutes of it is just phenomenal. Pharrell is lyrics and his voice is very very cool very very nice you know very relaxing because it's like yeah it makes you want to dance but not like like freak out and dance like normal edm it makes you sort of just want to like you know just sway back it's and the forth. disco dance you want to do yeah exactly but yeah. i think i think that along with lose yourself to dance which is different than good lucky because i mean look at the name lose yourself to dance i mean it's 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 i think both those songs together are probably my two top of the I mean I guess you have touch in between which also a very good song but I mean I think those two are really like the highlights of like the middle of the album the real heart of the album and I think those two songs really go well with each other I think that there's something that is just like I think that Daft Punk tap into something with Lose Yourself to Dance that they also do in another one of my favorite songs that is a hit that is uh, their song with The Weeknd, I Feel It Coming. They just like, they tap into some pure like sexiness in those two songs where it's like, especially, I mean, Pharrell does a great job in the line where it's like, wipe up all the sweat, sweat, sweat. Yes. Yeah. 
You know, as a heterosexual male, I'm like, damn, that's hot. Uh, <laughs> and and it's the same thing with I Feel It Coming, where it's like uh, you don't have to run. Like when they go through that part, it's just like there's some inherent sexiness about those songs where it's just like, again, these are robots, but they're tapping yeah. into that. That just well, it's like perfect. I know. I know. I know. These people like liking, or I've heard people like "Lose Yourself to Dance" to "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger," and uh-huh. I think they are two very similar songs in that, in, in, in a lot of aspects. And I think it's just true because it's they are it's just sexy songs, you know, like that just make you want to get on your feet and just like yeah. just go go a little crazy, you know. Exactly, get on your feet, get asses on the dance floor. Uh, like was it Rick Sanchez say? Uh, <laughs> everybody, and he gets swifty. You know, I get swifty. Get swifty. Mr. Bold Ops. You know, not the best, not the best, not the best Rick and Morty song. I'll say it. What is the second? Goodbye Moon Man? What's Goodbye Moon Man? Oh, you, oh Goodbye the David Moon. Bowie one. Yeah, it's like the David Bowie. One. Oh, okay. it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Mm, it is. Goodbye Moon Man. Which uh, it's, it's the one with the the, 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 the cloud name farts. The cloud name farts. Yeah, they, they named fart. It's oh like yeah, that turns things that turns matter into gold. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess I need. I guess I need to rewatch oh, a couple good episodes. Man, man. <laughs> uh, good, good choices there, John. Again, you get docked points for choosing two songs. <laughs> okay, I mean, okay. No, it's too I'll, much. No, I'll cop out. Throw me good lucky. Gotta throw get lucky. Um, you know, I think it's it's I think unjust it's that get lucky were to be off of one of uh, any of all three of ours. So you know. All right. All right. I'll say it. Get get the lucky. Thing is, it's it's tough. Because you know they're all so good, and <laughs> and you you have to pick one. But like, and if it doesn't end up on the list, it's like it happens. What happened there? But also, like, if it doesn't end up on the list, you're like, well, it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah, you got a lot to choose from. Yeah, which is I think that's the There's point. options. That's the, the, the again great point, Ryan. Because there is like just because we're leaving something off our list doesn't mean like it's like doesn't mean there are only three great songs on this yeah, album exactly. I mean, like, or three of you, get, you go to McDonald's. Songs. You know, just because you don't order the Big Mac doesn't mean it's not there and doesn't mm, mean okay. it's not that it's not top. Not a great, not a great. Right? I think it's pretty phenomenal. You, know, you, you know, because you know you can get you can get chicken McNuggets. You get a, get a ten piece. You can mix chicken. You get a McChicken. You can get you can get. I mean, the different meals that they have they have so sure. many different options sure you know, just and even though like you McDonald's. may not be feeling the big yeah, exactly <laughs> very similar to a lot of trends in the in Daft Punk's music but I'm love. loving it <laughs> the arches uh, I don't know the golden arches um, the Hamburglar when are we going to see him in a, in a Daft Punk music video he's probably, he's probably somewhere <laughs> in around the world you just have to look oh, yeah. uh, and that's where the Hamburglar is <laughs> Um, yeah, minute two, 30 seconds in, the Hamburg makes his first appearance. <laughs> um, yeah. But like I said, I, even though I docked you, wouldn't hold it against you if you stuck to your guns with the two songs. Great, hot, sexy songs. Getting asses on the dance floor, which is probably the fifth time I've said that in the podcast. But uh, I think that the way they, the way the album weaves in and out those hit-making songs with uh, a song like Ryan said, like Giorgio by Moroder or, you know, Motherboard Beyond. It's just they they find a good job of weaving in the hits and other kind of deep tracks along with still keeping the kind of 
flow of the album intact. And this is an album that really deserves to be listened to front to back. Um, an album that if you have the chance, buy it on vinyl and play it on your record players, folks, because it is a phenomenal listen, even which is kind of crazy. You're like, oh, it's electronic music. Like, why would you want to listen to it on vinyl? No, it's worth the listen. It's phenomenal. Um, especially for the... To quote, to quote the uh, Hame sisters in documentary now, Gentle and Soft... Every single song on this was a single. Oh, yeah. oh episode, exactly. episode next. <laughs> exactly. Episode next on the podcast. It has to be the Blue Jean Committee. I mean, the Blue Jean, I could talk Blue Jean Committee night and day. Like, night and absolute day. Walking shoes, Catalina Breeze, Gentle I mean, and Soft. Mama, you're a dancer. I mean, you have all these just hit after hit. I mean, every song was Every single song was a single. <laughs> Yeah, this this is true, true, true of Gentle and Soft by the Blue Jean Committee and true of uh, Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. Ryan, I think that's a fitting ending uh, to the podcast. Thank, thanks for joining us so much uh, for going through this robotic, romantic trip on uh, what I think is I I think is criminally underappreciated, even though it is definitely you know held in high regard. Criminally underappreciated is one of the best albums of the past ten years, uh, especially the decade of the 2010s to 2020. All right, thanks, Will. I really appreciated this journey into the life of the robots. <laughs> really love love listening to them, and I hope uh, it brings new appreciation to uh, the listeners. Exactly. And I think that's also the goal of the podcast. We do this for us. We do this for talking to our friends. We get a lot out of it. But at the end of the day, if we can convert one listener to becoming a fan of these things that we discuss, we've done our job. And I can't put this over enough. Uh, listen to Random Access Memories if you haven't listened to anything besides Get Lucky or even the hits like uh, Lose Yourself to Dance and um, Instant Crush. Well, yeah. uh, so I, I can't put this album over enough. Go out there. Listen yeah. to it. Join the revolution. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, you just look at the 2014 Grammys. They went in there, absolutely sweeped it. I mean, they go five for five on Grammys. I mean, so I think I think it did. Oh, back in the day, got a lot of recognition. It definitely is. Cause it's been a while. It's been six six show it's years. It's been a while. It's been a while. You know. Yeah. I mean, so you know, you just help to refresh in it back in the mind. You know, so it's good to see. It. Daft Punk. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. Reminding everyone, keeping it in the cultural consciousness, the zeitgeist, as the we have said. Keep it funky. Keep listen to Daft Punk. Keep it oh, keep agreed. Funky. Agreed. And if you and, and listeners, if you want to go further, listen to more disco. Uh, we even though Ryan said there is a true expiration date and death of disco, um, it's, it's still not it's not that. Disco's awesome. I think it's one of the the unsung kind of hated on. Uh, July, July 12th, 1979. Death of Disco. The day the disco died. <laughs> At, and you know what? It's kind of fun because we are almost in, we're pretty much in like the hometown of where disco died. Yeah, we're right down the road. Right down the road between uh, the Comiskey Park, the, the G spot, you know? <laughs> what? The Guaranteed Rate Field. <laughs> oh, that's uh, what they call it. Obviously. What? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Okay, so for the, for the listeners that don't know, the G-Spot is what the White Sox Stadium is referred to by its fans. And it's called the G-Spot. The G-Spot, because it's guaranteed right stadium. Okay, well, you know that isn't even the stadium that we're I know, it's Comiskey Park. But, but it's nearby. But, yeah. But the current White Sox, but, you know. You I, just had to say G-Spot yeah, on the podcast. Hilarious. Because <laughs> it also just shows how crappy a stadium that, like, that's the nickname, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, all right. Well, before we get too salacious and Spotify rethinks keeping us, I mean, we're trying to get on Apple Podcasts, John. Yeah. You have to come in with the salacious you know, language. Timmy Cook or whatever his name is. Tim is Apple. Tim Apple. <laughs> Can't handle the heat. Get out of the kitchen, Tim. Uh, I thank Ryan. John, thanks as always for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's always fun. Thank you, yeah. Fox Brothers. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, oh, thank, thank oh. you for coming on. I feel like this was a great journey we went on discussing, you know, such a such a great album and just what a what a duo to talk about in Daft Punk. And isn't the, and in the end, isn't the podcast <laughs> isn't the podcast just the friends we made along the way? <laughs> you say it. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's very ephemeral. It's like it's uh it's it's the ether. It's very it's the ether. <laughs> the ether. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf uh, of Wall Street. I played Pokemon as a kid, so those are the things you found and never used, you know. Um, For Ryan, (laughs) on that note, for Ryan and John, this is Will signing off. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time? Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the years? I still don't know what you mean. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge I can't understand. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the years?